welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ed Greer. And I'm producer Bill. And today we are doing part two of our look at the entire career of one of the greatest comics artists of all time, Mr. Frank Whiteley. So in part one, we had started at the beginning of his career and gone all the way through his run on New X-Men with Grant Morrison, bringing us to part two of his career in chronological order. And this is where things are about to get nuts. We've got All-Star Superman, Batman and Robin, We Three, Multiversity, so many good projects to go through. But Ed, let me just ask up front, what did we learn on our odyssey through the first half of Quitely's career? What, what, what did we really appreciate about him as an artist? Um, I think the use of perspective to place the camera in the most interesting places and the ability to figure draw within those different perspectives mm-hmm. enabled him to tell stories in a really unique way. Yeah, I think he doesn't have what almost every other comic book artist has, which is sort of the go-to pose. You know what I mean? Like, mm. there's never, if you're asking Frank Whiteley to draw a book, there's never the money images that you can count on being there because he's so committed to creating that three-dimensional space and to making everything appropriate to whatever the moment is that's happening on the page that it's like, it's never just going to be the Jim Lee crouched with fists back on either side, ready to ready to fight that you see in almost every Jim Lee comic as great of an artist as Jim Lee is. That's just not the type of thing that Frank Whiteley does. Yeah. And and the thing is, I, and I want people to definitely understand that we are not trying to on, we're doing four hours on this guy. So we're definitely not trying to diss. We're saying that like, yeah, that ability to always be about the storytelling, even to the detriment of the cute image. That's I mean, you gotta love that because a lot of people, not not including Jim Lee, but a lot of people don't want to storytell. They want to find ways to pose characters. Right. And he just doesn't truck in that. And that's why he's one of the greats. Right. And so as we jump back in, this was the last image here, uh, right next to us that I pulled for New X-Men. And I think this is a great example of like, this was a cover that I think became a poster, this image of Wolverine, where this is clearly a quote unquote money image, but also he's not doing any iconic superhero shit, which I think maybe some people look at Frank Whiteley and see as sort of a detriment in his work. But I look at an image like this and I see nothing but positives. Number one, because the character is full of attitude Number two, because you've never really seen the character portrayed this way, even just down to the way his hair and his facial hair is rendered, the way his body hair is rendered. Mm. There's both like a realism to it, but also something very specific to Quitely's style. And then the acting in the body language, like you can immediately tell this guy, number one, is not bothered. He's he's popping those claws, but it's not like he's flexing. It's not like you're seeing him try to intimidate you. It's just like, no, motherfucker, you come at me, I'm going to fuck you up. And that is (laughs) written all over his body language and his face. And again, that's something that I get out of very few other comic book artists. 
Yeah, I just gotta, I just gotta say, I concur with all of that. Uh, I love, and again, I'm a sucker for the way he does jackets. You know, there's a tactile, mm-hmm. there's something tactile to his jacket, and and the way that his gauntlet, uh, his his the the X on his fist, the, the, there's fabric there. There's some kind of crumpling going mm-hmm. on all over the place, and there's there's so just like body hair sprouts, just like leather wrinkles. He he has these thoughts in his head the whole time that he's drawing. Yeah. Well, so this brings us to an interesting part in his career. And these next couple images are not necessarily going to be chronological, but it was around this time in the early 2000s. He had just come off of amazing back-to-back runs on um, The Authority and then New X-Men. And so he's now firmly established as like one of the hot artists in comics. And this is where he starts getting more cover work and poster work. And so I want to go through, previously we had really been high on, like you say, his use of perspective, scene setting, use of camera, sequential storytelling. But we had also acknowledged that there was you know, some of those things that he gets criticized for the lumpiness of bodies, the quote unquote ugliness of faces, like that's still there. And it's something that he's still working through, let's say, as an artist. But when he starts doing these single images, he levels up his work in a lot of ways. And so, boom, let's go to this image of Batman and Robin, which again, not a traditional superheroic image, but this is one of my favorite images of Batman and Robin ever created. I mean, I I really like the I like how the body language again it really portrays the jazz. And like, look, you don't need to draw a bunch of buildings all around because they are at the top and they are looking down, right? So you draw a little bit, uh, just to establish where the hell we are. You have and the up lighting that's coming up. That's obviously yep. a coloring choice, but he has input in those things. I and believe bas- he colored this himself. Not to oh, well, you there you off. go. Oh, yeah, there this, you go. This starts a period in his career where, especially with color work, and this includes all the covers of, excuse me, especially with cover work, including all the covers on All Star Superman. He is coloring himself on some of these things. And Super this sick. is a good example. So yeah, that that orangish up lighting that's popping up from the cityscape that we're not quite seeing because we're up above we're up above the uh, light pollution to mm-hmm. where there's like the the uh, the stars are up there. So I love all of that. And Batman is sort of a sentry bent over, and Robin is just like he Robin is like not tense, but he's like looking to jump into something, looking to look over, be as tall as he can be to see what he can see. Little keys, he, you know what I'm saying? And he's even, like ready to jump into action. He's more of a sentry. Even just this little look on his face, there's something about the way he's got his lip pulled up by his nose, which is something you see kids do all the time. He's mm-hmm. got that little bit of tension in his brow with the big eyes. It's like he's looking to not even less necessarily looking to start some shit. Because I think when we get into Quitely's portrayal of Damien, uh, the Damien Wayne Robin you see a little bit more of that attitude of like, I'm going to start some shit. This Dick Grayson Robin just looks like I want to jump off this building right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's just got that energy of like the daredevil circus kid. And it's, it's all 100% just down to the nuances of the face and the way that this body is posed. And I, I love the costuming hinting yeah. that this is back in the days. Like, you know, yeah. Like I mean, um, I- for Batman in particular too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's what's interesting. You know, his portrayals of Batman, there is 
like this is a very simple version of the Batman costume. It's not like he's doing the Lee Bermijo thing of let's put extra straps and body armor and whatnot. But it's like you point out that attention to where it's like this is all fabric that all has its own texture that's all fitting on and around this body as opposed to just being sort of like a superfluous wrinkle or two and otherwise nude human figure Mm -hmm. goes such a way to selling like this feels like a very homemade Batman costume. This feels of a piece with like almost the Robert Pattinson Batman. Um, yeah, and even more so. I mean, it's like it's like a really cool version of the Batman from the serials. I mean, even look at how his yeah. his ears attached to the cowl. Yeah. They attach. They're not organically coming out of it. They're like sewn in, it almost looks like. You know what I mean? It's like it's so sick. They yeah. like a, they like attach, attach. So yeah, you, it's you could see there's like strap work under the under the cowl that's like strapped it in and it, it just extends up into these ears. Yeah, dude, that's what I'm saying. I mean, when I'm when I'm watching YouTube videos and stuff like this, I'm like using that zoom like a mug. So everybody use that zoom and look at this cowl. Let's it's, see if it's we can re- zoom in. There we go. Oh, dude, look at that. Yeah, and dude, it's so, so like- interesting. Like, even just like <laughs> these these like wrinkles and these. Uh, I don't even know what that is, but again, it just gives a three dimensionality. I love the way he does these subtle upshots on jaws where you mm-hmm. can just see that triangle. And again, like you say, just that little glint of city light kind of illuminating the underside of his jaw. Mm-hmm. Again, that head is just so three-dimensional, and it's not like he's doing a lot of work with rendering. It's just all in his choice of line and form. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the touch on Homeboy's uniform. I mean, and this is uh, this is what I think Lee Bermijo started out going for. Mm-hmm. And then when he started realizing, well, if there's 3D forms here, then there's armor. And if there's armor, it must be busting into the And his mind just went to that, like, you know, graphomaniac place where you just have to work it all out in your head. Whereas Frank quietly goes, what is the dopest way I can make a three dimensional in a comic book space? Yeah. Yeah. I also want to point out that, like, this is one of the best depictions of an athletic child's body that I've ever seen. Because, number one, like, that's a weird request of an artist. Yeah. Like, how, how do you draw a 10-year-old that is an acrobat and has been trained by the deadliest fighter alive? Like, that's not exactly something you're <laughs> going to pull reference for. <laughs> right. Well, and, and it's just one of those things where... It, you definitely even looking at like gymnasts and stuff like that. Well, what what the requirements of what Batman would put on even the 15 year old Dick Grayson or a 10 year old Damien or whatever are just outlandish. So just trying to figure out examples of that that don't look like you're just drawing a, uh, a grown up smushed right. down. Right. And I, I, I just want to point this out. This will be the last thing. But like this S curve to the leg, like there's yep. a there's a pronounced um what do they call that hyperextension to the knee Mm -hmm. where the the ankle is really coming forward from the knee joint. That is so accurate to gymnast body types in real life. And it Mm -hmm. looks, not only does it give this figure a real grace to it, but it sells the fact like he has overdeveloped overly flexible legs. And like, Mm -hmm. you don't need to see him doing some crazy shit to understand that it's just down to the figure drawing. Yep, absolutely. So good. So this is one of my favorites. This is um, 
This is a, a Christmas special that Quietly only illustrated the cover of. But I just think there's so much good shit going on here. And I'm almost pissed that they covered it with so much snow because the drawing here is just phenomenal. Right down to like this weird kind of um, unnatural form of the sled uh, rendered in absolutely perfect 3D perspective. Again, that use of 3D perspective, all these boxes are at different angles and yet they all are inarguably uh, occupying the same space. And even just the way he's able to create this Christmas tree composition, which isn't necessarily like, you know, the most dynamic composition you've ever seen, but it works so well. And the way that it works with his art style really invites you to just examine every single piece of this drawing right down to like the little kids hats and gloves reaching up to get the presents. Dude, and that was the first thing that I saw, like the, oh. the variety of little kid hands and mittens. Some yep. kids have gloves. Some kids have mittens. Some kids have their sleeves all the way down. Some kids are coming up. It's like, it, there's a lot going on just with those little kids and the wreath. I was looking at the wreath and the bow yeah. <laughs> and there's just a lot going on to set up the fact that this is a little thing that's like a, a sled type thing and or a parade float. I don't know what the hell this thing is. Mm-hmm. And that, and they're actually giving out the can the, the stuff to the kids. And again, the fabrics on everybody, I know I'm a be, I guess I'm a fashion kid or something because like, I just, I just looked at the underside of Santa Claus's arm as he raises it up the seam on his arm going up into the seam in his glove. And like, he's really there. Santa's really there. Just like Superman is really there. Well, and it's even the way that Santa's, um, jacket sort of twists you could tell there's a thickness to the jacket as opposed to like you look at dr lights this is clearly a leather outfit that she's on and it's wrinkling like leather versus huntress's outfit which is not leather but is way more skin tight but is of a different fabric than superman's skin tight Mm -hmm. outfit and mm-hmm. somehow he's communicating all that information with just this absolute economy of line that is so good Yep. Yeah. So uh, let's see here. Next one. One of your favorites, Daredevil. Oh, my goodness. So we we have another Daredevil piece in the mix here that is arguably better than this one. But I thought this was useful because this is a real illustration of the way he starts experimenting with more mixed media. Like mm-hmm. there is... I don't know if this was painted traditionally or digitally, but there's a real painterly finish to this that almost recalls someone like Mobius. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, look at that. Look at those buildings, dude. I mean, go back. Like, the, honestly, dude, the the building. Oh my god, just yeah. the interesting and and see how close they are. It like posits this world where these people could actually jump rooftop to rooftop, but it doesn't seem. It seems possible. It still seems super dangerous, but it seems possible in this world. This dense packed place and then you look at the figure work and it is like it is like muebius <laughs> muebius cantos no uh but yeah dude uh the the, the again windows we, we talked oh about that God. last time but every time he does windows he puts he breaks his foot off on these fucking windows i mean yeah and again none of these is cheated it's like he is giving you the full depth with frame with overlapping panes in every single one of these windows, including back here in the far background, (laughs) (laughs) which is just nuts. I mean, I don't like, and I don't even know why, 
but he's drawing every tile on these roofs back here. Like, look at that. <laughs> I mean, geez. That's just crazy. That's that, crazy. I, you know, and and but it really it really makes something like this. And and I like the um it is sort of an experiment because he's even doing like a blurry thing, right? There's like mm-hmm. sort of a blur happening with a daredevil's body and he's got, he's like, and they're just, they're doing their dance fighting. Cause they don't really, it seems like daredevil and Electra don't really try to hit each other. Yep. No, there's a, uh, again, there's just like this grace to the figure drawing. And obviously daredevil here is, is a little bit beefier and a little bit less graceful, but I mean, just look at the, like, first of all, you can absolutely tell how she's moving through space. Like I could draw you, you know, the second before this and the few seconds after this. Right. Because right. nothing is out of place here. It's like you understand exactly how this body is moving in space. Right. Um, and right. there's just such a, there's such a fluidity and a grace to it. Like he's really not skimping on details. I mean, if you look well, at mm-hmm. the wraps on her legs, you know, it's not like those are just a couple lines here and there. It's like he's giving you the texture in each individual wrap around the leg, but it it still is so it feels so minimalist and graceful. And that lighting on us on the left leg and on the left leg especially, but the lighting on the legs is great, and the lighting it, uh, coming up from the bottom on her cheeks too, and how it hits her cheeks and nose, how the light is coming up. That that's just really, really sick. And, and you see where the light is, that, that window and these other windows. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. The use of those specular highlights, just that those little flecks of white kind of throughout mm-hmm. just go such a long way to, to making the eye land exactly where you want it to. You I know. did one thing that's good. I would die happy. One <laughs> there <thing>. you go. <laughs> well, here's the other Daredevil uh, piece de resistance. Oh, I love this one. Yeah. I mean, this is this again, it's such a different piece, but like the level of detail, while never once falling into either unreadability or even sketchiness, right? I think a lot of artists would draw this, and in order to convey really the sense of chaos that's going on, this is where you bust out your toothbrush and start flicking ink all over the page. And it's like mm-hmm. from somewhere in here, you know, it's somebody's bleeding, so we're just gonna have flecks all over the place. He doesn't need to do that. And there's just as much impact and movement as any other artist could give you in this piece. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's just shot with a HD camera. You know, I mean, and, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like high these frame guys. rate. You know what I mean? Right. Like you, it, it just captures that exact moment in time. The exact moment. And I just I just love how he he uses every single thing to give you uh movement. Like that, the guy who the guy that can't quite control himself at the bottom, all the shuriken and stuff following it in in, the, in that sort of parabolic arc, right? Yep. Uh, it, you could tell where everything was coming from and where everything's going because of how he's using every single thing from even the the pointing the directional devices of these guys' swords and bow staff that are behind him that are going to land on Daredevil. Oh God, what's Daredevil going to do? Well, he's probably he's catching that sword, so he can probably fend off that guy you know you can infer so much if this was a panel if you could ever do panel to panel this dope i mean that you'd see exactly the next panel and so on and so forth well i think to that point i mean one of the things that quietly does and i've seen him do this many times is in a crowd scene like this he'll use the multiple characters almost as like snapshots through time so Mm -hmm. like 
They're different, but you could literally see one ninja crouching on the roof, jumping off the roof, getting ready to attack, Daredevil turning the table, and oh, now he's falling with no weapons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah. you see the full action in this one piece. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Oh. I mean, I, this is this is really up there. And I, I have this on one of my uh, Pinterest boards. Yes, real men use Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so just moving on, he does some really uh, out there covers. This is for Hip Flask, uh, which was created by the great letterer Richard Starkings. But um, I mean, what a what a different image than the last few we've seen. Like this is just pure joy, just, you know, bright yeah. colors and man, this, like, I feel good looking at this. Yeah. No, this, this is, and again, that hyper clarity there, this is one particular moment and he really does. He's, he's, he's like a, a human high definition, high frame rate camera. And he just gives you the greatest snapshot. And I think that's what, you know, we've talked about him supposedly being late. I don't, when you're this good, late is not a concept. 100%. Like, you know, uh, so I think he just has to think about it. Like what's the best angle I can shoot this hippo from? Yeah. What can this chick be doing? What, what makes sense for her to be if they're if, in the next moment, how would she be safe? If this her and this hippo are jumping, what would be an appropriate thing? But what's almost the most dynamic? Where should I put her feet? Do I have to see her feet? I don't know that I have to see her feet. It won't look weird. I'm telling you, because it look like emotion. Won't, people won't even think about it. They won't even talk about it on podcasts. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so much thought that went into this, this picture. Well, I think this, so I'm going to point out two things. This hand is a great example of where like, there are so much, there are so many easier positions in which to draw the hand. Like just draw it with all the fingers outstretched. Why take the time Mm -hmm. to figure out the anatomy of, ah, the pinky kind of curls in and now we've got this overlap and what does that do to the rest of the hand? And like, it's a small thing, but (laughs) it's, this is what I mean. It's huge though. Yeah. That's exactly it. Like, and this is what I mean when I said there's no stock Frank Quitely image. Like, this is not a stock hand that he will draw, you know, in every image because it's easy for him to, to go to. This is a hand that is specific to this character in this moment. And every single one of his hands works that way. And I just think that's awesome. Yeah, no, they're, they're all the way. I mean, look at her right hand. Mm. Like that's a hand for your ass. A lot yeah. of times a hand is not showing every finger. It's figuring out how much the hand you would see in that. And, and her, obviously her left hand is a triumph too. But yeah. I've just looked at that right hand. It's like, okay, w- w- the little finger comes out where? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a complicated piece of anatomy is the hand. The fingers are curling, but the hand is stretched back from the viewer. And like, how does how do those overlaps work, et cetera? I mean, it's mm-hmm. also interesting because I can see in the motion of the characters, she might have just launched herself off his foot or she was riding like on his leg and then jumped mm-hmm. off there. It's like mm-hmm. there's so much of that inferred action just from the choices he makes when he draws it. Dude, and the pores on the on the on the hippo's I mean, face. Come on. <laughs> come on. And again, this is this is one that he colored himself. If you look, there's the there's the signature. There's no color signature. And this this has this kind of texturing in the color 
is a trademark of Quietly that we'll continue to see in other work that he's done. But nobody on, on the coloring circuit is going to take the time to dimple every <laughs> single mark he puts in an ink. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's beautiful. The underchin part, too, I'm seeing. It's just so great. Yeah, yeah dude. Also, best feet in the business. I mean, come dude, on. Dude, best I, I was about to comment, because, you know, we're trying to do this one a tiny bit faster than our last one. But yeah. dang it, the, the pants. The little that little uprise of his front leg pants, and then you yep. see the you see it mimicked uh, on his other leg. It's just that's how his pants go. That's how you sure. can see his his uniform and the flappiness of the cape back of his coat. Oh yeah. Oh man. Well, no, the pants are great because that those are pleated pants catching the wind as he jumps, and that's yeah. what happens. Ah, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. All right, so this I thought was worth <laughs> taking a look at. Little it's Indiana archival. Jones by Frank White. <laughs> that is wild. And it's on the back of like a piece of paper or something. I, I, yeah, I don't know what he, I kind of want to read through it. I see Frank Quitely. I, yeah, I don't even know what this is on. But um, another great mixed media thing. This is clearly painted traditionally on top of either a technical pen or just some really hard um, graphite. But Again, for a guy who gets criticism for, you know, drawing samey or ugly faces, that's fucking Harrison Ford right there. <laughs> hey, it's Harrison Ford in, 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 in the action comic milieu. You know what I mean? He, he didn't because you can see from his, you know, like the fact that he puts him in like a blue shirt mm. or you know, he doesn't try to he doesn't he doesn't just do that jacket he, this is a day in the life look at those the red gloves and the sort of red boots and this this sort of blue red uh, yellow palette that he's doing with this jazz, and the when the whip is down there because he's got like this frankly big ass gat that doesn't you know what I'm saying that seems <laughs> like a 44 magnum or so you know what I'm saying? he's he's doing I'm just saying he's comic bookizing it he's yep. not just trying to be on model yep and yet so much life I think his color sense is really un, underrated um, yeah quietly. yeah just because he works in so much black and white, but his color stuff is phenomenal. Well, he's talked so much about how people try to, and a lot of people, you know, if you watch all his interviews, he mentions a couple people that, that did it a lot that he didn't like it, but whatever, I'm not going to do that. That's his <laughs> words. But uh, there are, there have been people who over and maybe to a great degree, oversaturate the colors that he would want to win in his mind. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times he'll want a more muted color than the colorist wants. And I bet sometimes he's right. I mean, a lot of times he's right because he's a genius, but sometimes he's probably wrong. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Uh, because everything doesn't have to have his color sensibility. But man, his color sensibility is great. Yeah. Um, I love this Jonah Hex cover. I mean, I don't know that there's much going on here that we haven't already talked about, but it, between just the three-dimensional accuracy of this gun between the texture he puts in everything from the face to the glove to the jacket lining, you know, again, this is something he colored himself. And hopefully you can start to see that, like, this level of texture going on here in the coloring is very specific to him. But even like you were just saying, Ed, this muted palette, the fact that this is almost like a wash. Yep. I just love this. I love it so much. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't have too much to say about it that it doesn't say for itself. But yeah, I just like the little tick marks on the metal of the gun. I mean, to me, that's instructive of how to make something look like it's been through something and that there's a randomized nature to the universe that you're drawing, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Totally.
Well, and the fact that he he chooses to reinforce it with color, again, the specular highlights of like, yeah, there's a little divot there, the side that's facing the hot overhead sun, because clearly that's what's happening here, Mm -hmm. is going to catch a glint of it because it's made of metal. So, yep, absolutely. He did this entire series of covers for American Vampire, which was a series that I have not read. But again, just goddamn. (laughs) Goddamn. I mean... I just as a drawing feat, this is insane, and it has all of that like appeal and yet ugliness that is part of. I, I think you know what I think that was the contribution of of European comics, and I mean Europe as in the UK and and Spain and all that shit. Yeah, it just seems like they had a feel for the grotesque and the and the over so-called over rendered. And then they brought it to comic sensibility of dynamism Mm. and it just, both of them fit together hand in glove. Yeah. I'm looking at this. I don't know if this is grotesque or sexy. It's literally both. (laughs) It's all of them. And, And I don't know, man, I, I still can't wrap my head around. He is drawing individually every bud, ridge, whatever on this tongue, not only does it not look like there's not a single one of them out of place, not only does it not look too busy, but you see the three-dimensional folds and points Mm -hmm. of tension created by the character just in the way that he's rendering those those cells, those buds. It's like he gets so much depth, even here on the undersides of the lips, just in how he chooses to render those little minute details. The fact that like here on the underside of the tongue, you could tell not only is it getting, um, you know, slimier and less rough, but it's also catching that underlighting that he loves mm-hmm. to do so much. Oh, it's so, so fucking good. And just the dynamism of the bottom teeth there. I just been looking at the, 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 I guess, molars, yeah. you know, yeah. just, I, it's so crazy. And again, look at, those boots and pants and just you know and again and people can go back to the last episode look at how he does a homeboy's like right hand both of his hands actually are just amazing but that 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 vascularity on his right hand he -hmm. loves to render that with like a negative space technique like he'll do some flex to indicate well this is a ridge over there you know what i'm saying a lot of people might use a line to draw all that but he uses little flex and i just love the asymmetry of this pose like there's so yeah. much acting, the the relaxation, just the weird sexual energy of it. But it didn't have to be this organic of like this arm is more forward and the 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 shoulders a little bit higher and this one's mm-hmm. back, but like it, the ridge on the tongue is a little higher. And some of the buds are blocking his thumb because he's he's making an indentation in it because he's really on it. Yeah. It's like you can see him kind of squirming his way back into his seat. Mm-hmm. And it's all just down to the body language this dude's able to convey. It's just unbelievable. So um, another, I don't know if this was also from American Vampire. Not much more to say here, but this is one of my all-time fra- uh, favorite Frank Whiteley feet right there. <laughs> uh, dude, yeah, that, I think that's a standout on this one. Dude, I don't, I don't know. what I mean, in a, in, in a drawing that showcases a lot of feet. There's that something about a, this one right here. It's like I can yeah. feel the impact about to happen. 
And again, he's just, he's just got that classic comic book um, mastery of that back foot too. How mm-hmm. much of it do you show? How much of the boot is visible? How much of the calf? How, you know, it, what what would make it look too squat? And the little detail of using these loose flying laces to indicate movement, like this uh, leg is kicking back, so you're seeing that lace, while this leg is shooting forward, so those laces are pinned back. Like mm-hmm. just amazing mm-hmm. stuff. All right, let's take a minute to just appreciate the genius of this single image. This is one of the all-time great Frank Whiteley images. To my knowledge, this is the only time he's ever drawn anything Star Wars. This is an entire movie, or at least it's an episode of television, in a single image. Wow. And this is great. I mean... I could, I could do an hour just on this image. Not only do you have this signature Frank Whiteley down shot where it's like everything is sort of receding back in one-point perspective, but it's not one-point perspective. It's actually this weird two-point perspective, which creates the feeling of curvilinear perspective because there's one vanishing point up here where like the flat planes of the floor and the, and the bar are receding to. But there is also a vanishing point somewhere down here where all of your horizontals or excuse me, your vertical surfaces are retreating to. But it's like it's so subtle. You see it here. Obviously, this is not a parallel line, but it's like from edge to edge. This vanishing point has to be, you know, four feet down below the border of this uh, of this entire image. Like if this was a if this was on a piece of paper, it's like way, way off the paper. Um, so I love the perspective and the way that it's used to, to, to just cram in as much information as possible, but the way these guys are injured, right? Like this hand, I don't know, like you can find where that was cut off of. Like it's one of these guys in here, like this severed foot comes off of this robot right here. Cause there's his other foot. You could tell. Those are matching feet. And oh, yeah, he's missing this leg over here. <laughs> like the, this robot, this half a robot's head. I don't know if it's in the image, but like I wouldn't be surprised if it was. I'm just looking. But it's like that commitment to I'm going to show you every detail with beautiful, minimal line work in absolutely perfect perspective just invites you to explore every corner of this image. Well, oh. I- I, I mean, and the thing I'm I'm really marveling. I really have looked at it this whole time and examined it and looked for some of those cues that you were talking about. But the thing that I'm really struck by is how after looking at it for a few seconds, you kind of get the story. Mm. The story is the Jedi goes to like the bathroom, I guess, and he go uh-huh. and while he's in there, some shit's popped off and his Padwan fucked all of these dudes up. Like viciously to the point where there there's like lightsaber scars in that bar that's made out of something that could survive lightsaber scar. Like it didn't just cut it all up. It just went into it just enough. And it's part of her moves to cut these guys down. And yeah, like you were saying, look, following the trail of arms and the fact that the, 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 the arms are off. And stuff like that indicates Jedi fighting style, which lets you know that she's a Jedi. I, I can't even really see her lightsaber that she's putting back into her thing at this level of oh, image, but I mean, you know that she is. Yeah, there you go. There. It's barely and, there. 
she's just she, but and she's because she's putting it away almost like not ashamed and then when you look at it um this close you can see there's tuscan raiders there's the tuscan raider um oh yeah that 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 tuscan raider uh staff that they use with the with the pine cone thing at the end yeah that's that thing it's just amazing no that's the thing that's wild is like these are all you know he takes some liberty he draws the frank whiteley version of droids but like all these other characters are like established species of Star Wars characters. And he mm-hmm. gets the details very, very right. One of my favorites is like, here's the other half of this guy's head. And then meanwhile, ah, meanwhile, it's like he's a, he's a droid. So like his oil or whatever, just dripping all over his body and pooling down in his crotch like that. Oh, I didn't even see the bartender. Look at the bartender. I know right here. He survived. Yeah. Oh, and look man. at these bottles. Every one of these bottles is clearly a, a, an alien drink of some kind. Like none of them looks exactly like an earth bottle. He puts weird textures on the bottles. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And you can see the coolers under, I mean, like I'm now yeah. we're geeking out, but the coolers where they keep the stuff. Those are, yeah, are those, in perfect those are perspective. Clearly the tops of refrigerators right there. <laughs> oh, I love this image. And oh, also, and just just real quick, the weathering yeah. on that door. Just look at the weathering on the door. Just the little cracks, all the little crags, all that stuff is way instructive. Mm. Mm. Like, look at how real that looks, but and but still cartoony. Well, and it's just as simple as like creating this weather that follows the geometry of the door. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you you make this line just a little bit thicker than the rest, so clearly that's a heavy divot, and then you just show the geometry of that door with a single line and where it's meeting the edges, it's a little bit more gouged out because there would be a little bit more natural weathering there. Like it's just immaculate drawing. And I mean, all this without even mentioning this absolutely stellar contrapposto stance Mm -hmm. where like she's, She's got that lean because, you know, all of her weight is here on her back foot because she doesn't give a fuck. It's, there's nothing tense about her at all. And so it's that classic Renaissance contrapposto, the way the hips are turning this way as the head is turning this way and the weight is more on this back foot. And the, again, absolutely flawless hands. And even just the fact that like her sleeves are a little bit too big, further emphasizing like her youth. I, oh, good Lord, man. Dude, yeah, I mean, and just down to, I mean, and look at the Jedi uniform on Homeboy. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the number one, best feet in the game. Both of them have the greatest boots on in the history of the world. And the enemies have great shoes if some of them are across the room because they got their legs chopped off. It's just, just every wrinkle, every fold is there for a reason. And there's so many of them. I can understand why he takes so long, but I can see why they are they are so valuable to him. Yeah, if that makes sense. This really is too. I mean, you you said it. This is a great example of uh, this is a great example of uh, the best feet in the game because there's a shit ton of feet and every single one of them is perfect. Like, mm-hmm. oh, good lord, I could I could stay on that forever. All right, so now we get into. I think I might only have one image, maybe two. Yeah, I've got two. He did a little eight page story for a Sandman. It was Sandman Endless Nights. Um, sort of a series of short stories that Neil Gaiman did with some of the best artists in the game. And he drew the destiny volume. He drew and painted the destiny volume. So this was sort of 
the culmination of his experiment with the mixed media. And this is just some of the most gorgeous stuff you'll ever see in a comic book. I mean, well, he, he, even as a painter, he understands that every part of the canvas is going to be covered in some sort of color, mm-hmm. but it's just a depending it's like, cause even that white, if you just sampled that white, it's like a deep creamy, like white, it's not white, white, but it's it seems white given how yeah it's not the paper right but it's but it's but it seems white given the values that he gives other stuff and i love and i love the times that he chooses like the shadow on the four the foremost lady's leg right in the very center of the image Mm -hmm. uh that that shadow right there there's just there's stuff i i just love that they're really standing on a book like there's there's something there's something to like that and of course all the different um realistic bodies and the like the, the the stark lack of any sort of sexuality. This is definitely about people. These are human beings. These, these are these are people's whole histories, you know, and they're naked because they're at their most primal state. But there's there's something to communicate. I don't even know, I don't even remember the story that good, but I know that just looking at this. Yeah, I think the story was essentially just sort of describing the uh, the destiny character that he keeps a book that has the entire history of everything in it. And um, this is just an illustration of the fact that like the story of every person to ever live is in his book. And I love the fact that like, look at these pages. He's got diagrams of people in perspective on these pages as they're fluttering. <laughs> it's just the commitment to that. Level oh of my gosh. I did not peep that. I mean, I, I peeped that there were things on there, but yes, the, the, and the, almost like the Loomis method. Yeah. Um, Head, the, how many heads tall is everybody he's designing how many heads tall people are going to be oh my god dude and I, I did want to point out you you pointed out this uh shadow it's the fact that like it reinforces the light source right like this right here is the shadow from her arm that's sticking out because she's got her hand on her knee and and again it's just a little tiny thing but it's caring enough to pay that close attention that like well no i established that there's this bright white light source and it's clearly coming from this ish direction. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, you got to carry that through mm-hmm. and it's, he's the sort of guy that he examines the page that he's creating more than you do as the viewer. And like, yeah, it, it, very few comic book artists do that. I also just, this use of negative space of like the, I know you say it's not a pure white and you are correct, but the fact that it does portray itself as like a void yeah. in this, in this world. And the fact that, you know, the guy whose job it is to document the entire world is literally cloaked in the void of nothingness. <laughs> yep. It's such a crazy, amazing choice. And so then that continues here to this sort of unorthodox layout of this page where there's not panels per se, but we, we see the book emerging in his hand and then from the void that surrounds the book, his face looking down at it. It's this weird bending of time and space, but it just works perfectly. And again, that Frank Quietly hand, look at how he, how he represents vascularity, just a little bit of the the light is coming down from the top. So the shadows on under underneath where the vein is, but does he draw just a line? No, especially not in the painting. This is like, see, and this, this is what he's going for even in line art. Right. Right. He wants that delicate 
detail of like, you can tell the heaviness of this book because of how the things in the back of this guy's hand, some combination of tendons and bones are flexing. Mm-hmm. And he wants you to feel that. Yep. Oh, so good. Oh man, this came out too small. It's a great drawing of the endless, but it's too small for us to really look at here. Go look it up yourself. And we picked a, we picked a low res version. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. Let's talk. We three. <laughs> and look, I, I'm going to have less to say about this. This is the type of image that has been dissected to death on the internet when it comes to Wii 3, which is the very simple story of three cybernetically enhanced uh, soldier animals that escape from the project that created them when they find out that that project wants to shut them down and they go on a homeward bound journey looking for (laughs) somewhere safe. But along the way, the military is trying to kill them. And so this is how they respond. And like every page of this book is an achievement. I mean, this is just one of the most virtuoso examples of comic book art you will ever see. Um, It almost spoils you for comic book art. Like, I, I don't know that anybody does anything more impressive than the totality of We Three. All that said... This portrayal of action, of showing unbelievably dynamic, you know, you look at this image, he is doing snapshots through time of the dog eviscerating this Jeep, everything perfectly rendered. And then he's giving you these snapshots of everything that's happening in between those moments, all the details. And it's just glorious. I, though, want us to get to some less in-your-face examples of this art. But before we do, Ed, anything to appreciate? Um, I, You know, the thing, I've seen this page so much, dude. And there are things that just hit your eye every single time. It's in the cat panel. The panel, go down, yeah, the, the helmet, the helmet being mm. dimpled by all the fire coming through. I just... There's something powerful about that because you see the cat is raining just blades from the sky and just the military helmet with those dimples of the blade has already gone through and it's already in that soldier's brain and he's already dead. And then you see him go down. You see it hit him in the top of his head and then you see him realize that he's dead and then he's and then he goes all the way down to being dead. And there's just something powerful about that. And even the defensive wound of that guy's hand coming up to try to do something about it, but it goes through his hand and to his brain. There's just so much to that section of it. And I just see it every time I see this page. I've seen it probably thousands of times. And every time my my fate, my my eyes go directly to that dimpled helmet, that moment. Yeah. I always go to this thumb where it's like, oh, that blade <laughs> just went straight through. Oh, it's so visceral. Yep. And, and there's there's a, some people go to that molar. I mean, I I think this yeah. might be the first time of them actually looking at that stray molar bouncing around uh, up in the, up up in the dog panel. It's just oh, great oh, in yeah. one of the small inset panels. It's just crazy what's happened to these people. The 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 destruction these guys leave in their wake, like your your foot or your tooth or your eyeball or your glasses are just floating in the air, cartoon style as they plow through you. Well, one of the great, I mean, one, I, this whole thing is a triumph, but like one of the great things is this sequence of the pedal where it's like this guy is drive is trying to break as the dog jumps at him. 
Now his foot it comes off because the dog got him. And now the pedal is just at full extension because that guy's gone. And now he's really just a mass of missing teeth, missing foot, <laughs> the rabbit's foot he was wearing around his neck. I mean, like, <laughs> for good boom, luck. Right there. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, you ch- he, and, and pl- just the symbolism. I mean, I mean, I know p- part of Grant Morrison's in here, too, but like the symbolism of like, yeah, the rabbit's foot you kept for luck. You just you killed you killed a rabbit or took its foot for your luck, and this animal destroys you trying to escape the military complex that you obviously worship. It's just like mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. also best feet in the game still happening. All right, still still <laughs> happening. Um, I wanted to bring this into the conversation. Ooh, well, we'll get to that one. I wanted to bring this into the conversation just because, again, this is a great example of his use of a simple line and of negative space and letting the color do some of the work when we are fully aware that he can draw his ass off anything you want. But because he's a guy who is so adept at putting those little tick marks, like the thing we saw on the door frame in the Star Wars piece, creating that sense of texture with those minimalist lines, when he doesn't do it, it becomes even more impactful because you can tell how slick and how new and how high tech these animals armor suits are just because of the, the amount of restraint he puts into rendering them. Yeah, I, I have, I definitely have nothing to say to that. Cause that is true. He could have put tick marks all over them, but they are sleek. You're right. Excellent yes, call. Um, another image that has just been, uh, dissected to death, no pun intended, quietly has used this composition before. And I think since, but it has never been executed as great here. The, the point of view of the bullets coming through their target, um, I don't know what else there is to say. Like you just well, tell I mean, me how amazing this is. And the thing that I just look at as instruct as as instructive is the fact that the panel before, which you don't have to see, just let me let me tell you it happened. Uh, he's running on a treadmill and he just sort of senses something's going wrong. So he goes and he grabs up two, I guess, they're H and K, HKs, I guess. And mm-hmm. and they have like a foldable stock on them and stuff, and he thinks he's loaded for fucking bear. And he comes around that corner and gets shot up <laughs> to a degree that is inhuman by these inhuman <laughs> cyborg monsters. And just the, the the uselessness of having two fully loaded HKs with banana clips. And, and you know, it's which useless. Which you can still see, this. which you can very pointedly still see in this image. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like he, he just thought he was ready for Freddy. <laughs> and this is what happened to his ass. <laughs> oh, God. And again, the restraints of like, if you're going to put this much detail into the background, which is the body getting eviscerated, fill your foreground with nice, simple shapes that you can almost look straight past because you don't, the eye doesn't need to do a lot of work to understand what these foreground elements are. And so mm-hmm. even without the blur effect, which I think is a great call, but even without it, it's like you want to look through these objects to see what's going on behind them. Yep, it's absolutely oh, it's so well done. This is one of the best things of all time. Yeah, yeah, this, it's just crazy. So I think this might be our last of our big uh, splashy. Holy shit! Look what Frank Whiteley is doing. Examples. Um, 
it is scientific fact that a cat has reflex ability many times more than a human. Like the literally the refresh rate of their brains is different than ours. And so Morrison and Quitely wanted to figure out a way to portray that in this story. And this is what they came up with. The cat is literally moving through the what we would consider the dead space, the gutters between panels. He's moving so fast, mm-hmm. which makes sense because in a comic book, the gutter is where your eye refreshes. That's where the edit happens. Mm-hmm. And in order to illustrate that, Quitely takes the two-dimensional panels of the comic and portrays them in three-dimensional space, allowing the cat to move in the space between them. And holy shit, this is the result. I, I, You can't say enough about it. And you know what? And it's funny that you interpreted it that way, which is the, the definitely the way. But I'm saying, like, for me, just just if I'm just coming at this, I don't know any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of it as there's a second, right? A second exists, right? And I, like I said, I'm I'm just a regular guy. I don't know nothing about refresh rate, none of that shit. Sure. A second exists for us as this thing. And this cat, the second is so stretched out that it's like we're somewhere maybe at the beginning or in the middle of this image. And he's already, we, we we see time straight on, but he can, he's so fast that the, that he's, he's on the outer edges of that second. Like as he goes through the second, the second bends before you like, like, like comic book frames or something. I I don't know, man, just any way you interpret this is the cat is breaking the concept of what you can do in a second. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I I brought my you know esoteric scientific definition to it, but what you just said is essentially understanding what I just said, just without the science terms. So it's Mm. like, quitely clearly achieved what he wanted to achieve with this page. Dude, it it's how you commute again. The last things last. It's just so communicative. Yes, he's so communicative. That's and people there's so many people who think they're geniuses who can't communicate anything. You know what I'm saying? You communicate well. I hope that I communicate well. Frank quietly does it. All the stuff that we strive for in communicating well with all this work, imagine doing this much work and not getting the feelings we're getting out of it. Well, and I also want to point out that like, again, he's doing all of this without any sort of effects, without speed lines, without splatter. You know, any of those things that you consider part of the comic book terminology. So for him, it's all just down to number one in my character designs. Let me create elements that are going to allow me to show motion. So they've got these weird lit up antennas coming out of them. He's got these sort of corded pieces of rubber. I don't know, something underneath the shoulder armor. And then He's got obviously got the tail and so quietly uses all that stuff to absolutely sell the motion. Like the way that that rubber corded whatever is at absolute tension here, that arm could not be moving faster. The way it's buckling here, he's clearly going to roll up and, and getting ready to do some kind of other move. The way that everything in the body just sells I'm coming down and I'm swiping and I'm going to roll into my next move. It's like there's so much motion and not a single speed line to be drawn on this page. 
dude, and thank God Grant Morrison could see the um when you look at a cat, if you've seen those videos of cats that just won't take it anymore, yeah. you know, a lot of times people have said things like, well, if a cat was the size of like a dog or a lion or something, they'd be wrecking shop, blah, blah. And there's all these ways to try to communicate. What if something that fast actually had the, you want to call it heft, whatever you want to call it, to really mess you up? And this is like the perfect, this is, as you'd like to say, the apotheosis of the idea yeah. of the, the what a cat could do to you with, with proper uh, armaments, you know, to yeah. give it heft. Yeah. I also just think, I, I also just think it's amazing, you know, Quietly gave himself quite a, quite a task when he designed these characters because it's all these overlapping plates of armor. Just mm-hmm. pay attention to the shoulder armor. The cat's arms are up, so they kind of extend out like wings because that's how they sit. Now the cat's arms are drawn in, and so they're they're pinched to the chest. They're extending out in that way. And the, the armor on the back even folds apart a little bit because that's how scrunched up the body is. And now it's like he's moving forward, so the armor rotates and comes forward with the body. Mm-hmm. And now it's like just look at the way that the plating is sitting here versus here, for example. Like mm-hmm. you can tell how everything moves along with the cat's body. It's just insane. It's just- if you hired him to draw the character designs for this and then he goes, all right, made him out. You'd be like, hold up, mother. No, hold up. Hold up. You cannot yeah. leave. It's explained to me. <laughs> or you'd be like, I'm not drawing that. F you. <laughs> like you right. wouldn't want to do it. And th- and that's why the beauty of him being on things that have sort of short runs mm. is that yeah these these things don't have to be done monthly, exactly. or or rather they won't be, <laughs> yeah or they they never will be. So now we I want to just get into some of the more low key things that make we three great. Here, just look at his ability for someone who is a minimalist for has that very recognizable comic book style. Look at his ability to draw realism. Look at his ability to set this scene with just quiet realism and how well it works. And even motion, like the, the there are like hawks or something in the sky, the, and one of them is watching the hawks, so the other ones can eat their little food. Mm. And then, but there's something way more dangerous than hawks and stuff coming through, and and the rabbit is running to tell him, you know what I'm saying? Oh man, this is well, crazy. And even and even just the establishment of the geography, it's like you I mean, from panel one, and it just keeps getting more and more enforced. There's a big hillside, big hillside, big hillside. Oh, shit. We're running down that hill. <laughs> like, yep. Oh, it's so. Good. Yeah. You can't get confused on the geography. And, and if, as you notice, it's always from the same direction. Mm-hmm. It's from from the left down to the right, left down to the right, left down to the right, left down to the right. It, it, he doesn't confuse you at all, especially yeah. given the fact that they're stacked. So that's that's a brilliant call, Bill. That's great stuff. Yeah. Um, so this is a, this is the part of the prequel elements to that giant two page splash of the guy getting eviscerated by the bullets. There's a couple things going on here that I think are worth mentioning. Number Best one is in the game. I mean, best feet in the game, but (laughs) the storytelling of like, you see nothing but a single glowing ember to show you that there is something in that grate. And all, as far as you could tell here, there's something in the grate and it's looking at a guy who's kicking it with a bottle of beer. 
but we pull back a little bit. Again, classic Frank Whiteley, weird two-point perspective down, looking downward. Pull back a little. Oh, no, these, these guys got machine guns and grenades just laying around. Pull back a little bit further. We can tell, oh, whatever it is back there has moved because now it's in the fireplace as opposed to in the grate. And these guys are paramilitary. They're wearing camo. They've, you know, that's how geared up they are. And by the way, the light source is this shitty little TV box. So this is clearly not like a U.S. Army outfit here, right? The way that they've got things scattered and now they mm -hmm. got this shitty old TV. And oh, let's take a minute to look from the point of view. So we know that it's not just lights. It's something that can see, that's looking, that is moving with intention and then all that leading to the moment when that thing is noticed by these guys. And in the span of those five panels, you set the mood, you create panel to panel um, curiosity in the viewer of like, I'm mm. giving you more information, more information, more information. Oh shit, now these two forces are gonna meet. It's just masterful stuff off of a very quiet page where literally nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and there's so many ways to do this, not dynamically. That's right. kind of my only contribution to this, to what you said about this page. There's so many ways as it could have been done with no dynamism, very little perspective, a nice big wide panel of all of this stuff around the top, a couple in the middle of different, different hands going to play cards or something. Then that bottom one would probably be, they would try their hardest on that, but it still wouldn't maintain the like, uh, wonder of that bottom one where they're like, wait, what? Mm. Like, like a one guy note, one guy noticing and having a big reaction. One guy just noticing it because he hasn't had time to react, and a couple other guys on either side, uh, unaware. I think they 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 ended up drawing their ass off, probably drawing a lot more than Frank mm. did in this one, and not getting that actual emotional beat is what I'm saying. No, that's fair. This also kind of apropos of nothing establishes one of my favorite motifs in we three, which is except for, um, Roseanne, the, the good doc. Well, except for the two people in the story who actually take care of the animals. The only time you ever see a human's face in we three, like a full face is before they die, which I just think is kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, Another example of unbelievable, this is going to be actually a two image one, unbelievable story, uh, panel to panel storytelling. The, the acting of this dog frantically trying to save this guy, pulling him up onto the rocks and sort of the way the camera pulls out to, to create this feeling of like loneliness and isolation. And the fact that these cramped panels are clearly not showing you the whole picture. Like it's again, an example of him parceling out the information in a way that makes you want to look at the next panel, um, leading to the reveal, which actually takes a whole nother page, which is kind of hilarious. But ultimately we get down here. It's not until you get to this panel down at the bottom that you realize that guy he just saved was dead to begin with. It's been half a body the whole time. He just didn't realize it, the dog. Um, again, it's a quiet moment that just lands so hard. 
he was trying his damnedest, man. He was trying and he was trying to be a good dog. And it also shows you it's a story building part because the dog is the one that is most down with people. Like the rabbit been getting chased forever. The cat don't give a shit. But the dog is like, man, people are cool. They give me pets and stuff. They're cool. I gotta, I gotta be the guy who saves them and is a, is better to them than they were to us. And it didn't even matter because that dude was so messed up. Yeah. I just think it's like you've got – I mean this clearly – this isn't the full page that this sequence is on here. But you've got two pages of very little going on. I mean literally the dog pulls this guy up onto the rocks and then they walk away. And the way he can stretch that into two absolutely engrossing pages is the mark of a great artist. I mean again, it's story. It's yeah. real story stuff that a lot of stories wouldn't take this long. It would be, they probably would reveal it on that very next panel, but it's, it's, it's communicating what the animals ambivalence about the man and the dogs non ambivalence about the man that, that moment takes two pages. Yep. Um, one of the things I wanted to point out here that was great, he creates this architecture. They're on a bridge and they get into a fight with each other, the dog and the cat. And he establishes the architecture of the bridge as being these sort of diagonal girders in between the vertical girders. And then he uses that architecture to define panel borders. And so you get these moments in time of the dog attacking the cat and then tumbling through space and time within the architecture of the bridge that he defined. And I just think that's so smart and so amazing. Well, and also just look at the dogs. I mean, the dog's whole outfit is wild as hell, too. <laughs> you, you know, I yeah. mean, they're, all their armors are great. But, I mean, just to communicate that they're around. that It's like the dogs and cats are sitting inside this armature. It isn't just the same size as them. It is that they're, they're like mech suits for the animals. Right. Right. This is the thing that all Iron Man suits don't do is actually try to show you that it's like a a living thing inside a shell of mechanized whatever. Yep. But he does it on on every single panel through some absolutely outrageous action with some of the most unwieldy, crazy designs possible. And that is why he draws slowly. (laughs) (laughs) And that, that dog's ear in the last panel, just real quick. Just look at that dog's ear. Again, just mastery of three-dimensional space, man. And, yep. and that's the thing. Like these, these armors, not only are they big and bulky and layered and whatever, they're all like weird rounded intersecting shapes. And he's constantly drawing them in perfect perspective. Just I, it, it's so hard to do. I, I, I cannot overstate how hard that is to do. I mean, only a, only a genius would even task themselves with this. A genius yeah. or a madman or both. Yeah, a little of both. Um, this is another example of like, again, we're not seeing these people's faces because they're not about to die. And so we're going to focus on something else in the panel. And the way that he's able to like keep the faces which are traditionally the things you most want to look at in art, especially in including sequential art, keeps the faces out of the panel completely and yet creates an absolutely engrossing page where we know exactly what's going on. And he's asking us 
pay attention to these rats that are at this point, we don't know exactly what they're doing, but they're clearly swarming on this engine and somehow either disassembling it. And all he's got to show you is these couple panels that are getting wonky or assembling it. And now we're passing a controller back and forth. We've got a close up on the controller. The thumb hits the button immediately. I think you've got a, a sensation of, Oh shit, what happens next? Like, without having to read what anybody's saying, without having to see the people, he's created a very clear sequence of something's happening. I see it in these little details. Oh shit, they got a controller. This guy's going to use the controller. He hits the button. And it's like, there's such a suspense of what's going to happen out of a otherwise very static and, and face-free page, which I just think is crazy. Yep, I, I think that's perfectly articulated. The thing I'll say is my 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 favorite thing about quietly, the textures on the tiles, little the little tick marks to show like the light hitting the seams in between things. If the, if, if somebody said, "Get gun to your head," what's the what's the thing Frank Quietly's the best? Seams. That's it. He sees <laughs> the seams. Yeah, he sees the seams in everything. The place seams and cracks. He sees the seams and cracks where light can get in or do something to, so that he can make a little tick mark there that he's going to combine with this other one, then this other one to make it a 3D shape without doing a lot of cross hatching or some of the things we've talked about before. Yeah. And here is what those rats are doing. And again, just an amazing uh, uh, use of pacing to create a sense of sort of horror and, and um, suspense where it's like, this is a grotesque image in and of itself, but his absolute command of motion shows you that this rat is really quickly looking over at the other one. Like mm -hmm. the curl in the tail, the way the body is moved, like clearly this rat is responding to, by the way, this guy on the previous page is clearly pushing that controller in a specific direction. Oh, and so wow. that's what you're seeing the rat do, right? Yeah, nice. And now clearly the drill starts moving because he gives you the blur in the details on the drill and the whole composition of like the, you know, it's, catter, it's caterwampus, it, it's cocked at an angle going this way. So like everything is, oh my God, this rat is moving towards this rat this gross, disgusting smile, and then you don't even have to see uh, the gore happening to just be horrified by this last panel. Mm -hmm. Amazing mm -hmm. stuff. And at that size, it, the blood is just balls. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Flying around. Great mm -hmm. stuff. All right. So now we're going to move to All-Star Superman. In no particular order, this is not, you know, from issue one to issue 12. This is just some of the greatest pieces of All-Star Superman put together in no particular order. Um, this page, I think, has a lot of what makes this great, this, this series great. I think if this series marks Frank Whiteley's maturation at anything, you know, we three, I think, was clearly his maturation at portraying action. This is his maturation of acting. I think from this point on, his character's ability to act with both their faces and their bodies just reach an absolute second level. I mean, he's been good, but starting here, it goes over the top. And um, I all, you know, the clumsy Clark Kent, which we're going to talk about a lot here, is a great example of that. But his Lex Luthor is no less great. Um, 
this maybe not being the perfect example of it, but like, just look at, I, I don't, I don't even know what to point at first. I mean, <laughs> everything about it, like the position of the arms, the hands, the, the little bits of business of him pulling his, pulling his welding mask up. Now he's pulling it off and, but he's, you could tell he's a little bit scared. He's got his arms cocked. He's, he's crouched into a defensive position as Clark is starting to slip. And I mean, the body language here, best feet in the game also, but the body <laughs> language here, he clearly got his feet caught in this cord, even though you never see his feet getting caught in that cord. And you, the way Lex is lunging, the way his hands are positioned, I just, I cannot get over the body language acting throughout this entire series. So this is just one example of that. Well, and like I said, my contribution to this page would be, I love uh, the cord sticking into the wall on the second panel. I love, I love that and how it snakes around. So you can kind of see what the deal is. And I love the, uh, when, like you said, in between in the gutter and between the fat gutter in the middle, Mm. that's when he supposedly gets his feet caught up and yanks this weapon basically away from Lex. And I love the fact that you see the files and homeboy's hand and his right arm. And as his hand comes up there, the, the folder opens facing the ground. So the papers can fly up, but they're still down because the folder is still the highest thing. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. just jazz like that, just simple stuff like that. Again, it's, it's why come if I just told myself that I wouldn't have to do stuff like that and people would think my comic art was good, I think I could do it tomorrow. <laughs> but I just think you have to – I think I think if it's you have to do this stuff. And the fact that when I'm seeing a panel in my head and I can't think of stuff like that, that means I can't see it. Well, and, and I think what's even more impressive is you couldn't get this moment where he's using the flying papers and the flying folder to really sell this sense of motion – if you didn't establish pages earlier that when Clark Kent comes into this interview that he's doing with Lex Luthor, he's got an arm full of this shit. Like it'd be very easy for him to just have this notepad. And so he's, if he just has the pencil and the notepad, this panel still works. This panel works without any of this shit in it, but with it in it, it works so much better. And so, mm-hmm. You just have to make the decision of like, no, he's got a he's got an armful of files that he's carrying with him, just so you can get this amazing moment of everything going crazy. Yeah, and, and I j- I also think that there's this uh, obviously we're going to get to more images, but again, the tick marks on the wall in the bottom <laughs> panel. Look at that! Look look at look at look at how much that space could have been nothing. Yeah. It could have been nothing, but due to those little tick marks, it looks like it's really there. It looks like it's not just a feel. It in in a, a non color. If you weren't coloring it, you would see that wall there. It's interesting. I'm sure we can point it out as we go through, um, and it's something that you and I have talked about. But in general, the world of All Star Superman is kind of this stripped down world. Like all of the backgrounds that he does, except for some notable exceptions, which we will get to. Um, but all of the backgrounds, all the environments he creates are very simplified. It's like, I I remember Grant Morrison talking about at the time that like he was approaching this story as sort of like an Apollonian myth. 
and in, in Greek mythology, Apollonian is sort of idealized, right? He's the god of the sun. It's like kind of with all the rough edges sanded off. And that's what he communicated to Quitely. And I think Quitely suffuses that into the entire thing. I mean, there's also this amazing um, circle motif that keeps repeating throughout the story, which you're not really seeing here because we're in Lex Luthor's world. And so everything is going to be hard angles. But rather than give everything the sort of textures that he normally would, that we've seen him do a lot in, in previous works, in All-Star Superman, every, you know, in a, in a hard-angled world, it's just slabs. This workbench that he's got, and you're only seeing it here in the corner, but like, it's just right angles. It's just a giant cube in the corner. And these walls, they're just flat blank walls. But when you create a world like that, you have to know that if, if you want it to look more than just empty space, at least get in there and put those little tick marks that Ed loves so much. Show that it's like a weathered place made of concrete with just a few tick marks. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 that is a white space with a couple of flecks. Yeah, and he has made it into a wall in your mind. I mean, that's that's the great part about comics, man. Yeah, a couple lines here or there makes the whole difference. Oh, I love this. <laughs> so this is much uh, lauded, but I will say for the first time in comics history. Frank Whiteley actually explored what it would take to make Superman and Clark Kent look like different people. And so one of the things he did, this was a concept illustration. This was him just exploring the character, never meant to be published. This is him just trying to get a handle on how am I going to draw this stuff? And he realized, well, if I got a big beefy Superman, how do I make that look like a less beefy Clark Kent? That's going to mean he needs to slouch. He needs to jut his hips forward. He needs to try to make that mass look like flab. And if he's Superman, he's got enough control of his body that he could do that. And here is that rendered. And it is glorious. I mean, it really is great. And I think this might be the image that launched uh, uh, Tarantino's... um, soliloquy uh you know in <laughs> and kill bill volume two uh, i guess two yeah uh because it is like okay wait a minute to look more like us you got to be a fat slouchy piece of crap as i slouch <laughs> and be fat <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's 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 like it's it is it is the thing that says that that's a little bit of him judging us but it's sure. also like if he's going to be in the public eye he has to be somebody that would never be seen as heroic uh, and so he does that to himself and he does that for us so that he can have a life and, and still have our, so that he can have a life and still have his protection that and he can have a life and we can still have his protection. Right. Well, and I just need to point out too, here in a development drawing that he's just doing to get a feel for the character, Frank Whiteley cannot help himself, but put in little tiny details. Like his tie is not quite aligned with his collar. You know what I mean? Mm, so like, yeah, he looks a little frumpy and, and just look at the three dimensionality of this tie, the way you can tell this knot is, is in three dimensions just by the way he chooses to render those lines. It's just unbelievable stuff. Well, and the, and the fact that he chooses suspenders, which is always, I'm sorry, it's not, it's not 1335. You have suspenders, you're a square and nobody's going to think you're Superman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just, and real quick, last things that last on this one. 
I love his approach to hair. I do find Clark Kent's hair a little chunky, but obviously it's just a comp- just just a little um, concept drawing. But the under lighting, the the fact that he chooses to have white from the back and the and the and the flesh, so called white uh, Caucasoid flesh tone underneath brown, come up and that defines Superman's face. Is so sick. Such a choice. Like that yeah. that particular lighting scheme is such a great choice to show. Uh, to, to kind of magnify how his cheekbones and other stuff could pop if he maybe changes his tongue position, his mouth doesn't have a little bit of a double chin thing. If he kind of like looks more stands up straight, looks more regal, For the sure. same face can be stretched into a heroic shape with with more. Uh, it's just great. And just his hair, his hair is Superman is so beautiful. I don't. I, I mean, I used to draw the Punisher's hair like that back in the Will Sportatio days <laughs> in my notebook. I used to be yeah. drawing it like that in that little the little spit curl. It's just beautiful. Yeah. I think this color treatment is more of how it works in Quitely's head because this idea of sort mm. of using the white of the paper as like highlights is something we saw on a couple of those covers that he did and certainly in the Sandman Endless Night story. Um, so that sort of washy you know, almost, almost like, um, bleach bypass is what they call it when you, when yeah. you do it in film. But I think that's more of like how it works in his head. And it's, I'd love to see a whole comic book colored in this fashion. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, me too. All right. So, um, this is from when Superman returns from the bizarro world. He's in a, a little homemade rocket and crash lands back on earth. And Jesus Christ, look at the, not only the acting of like these guys noticing and, and rushing over to help and Superman standing up out of the wreckage and being like, hey, sorry about that. But like, <laughs> look at the sense of motion and impact he's able to create. Like this thing flying in, not necessarily selling the speed, like that's mostly a color effect, but certainly setting the stage, like telling you where we're at. We're out in the middle of nowhere. These, these roughnecks are putting up a circus tent. But then these impacts, it's like I can hear and feel that boom, boom, boom as that thing tumbles through the fields. And then it's like I can almost, in this moment, I can hear the sizzle of the smoke and I can hear the rabble as these guys, oh, we're gonna, what was it? We're going to go help them out. It's like there's just something about his choices and the way he stages this that it's like it comes alive for me. Again, the yeah. acting. Agreed with all of that and what my contribution to this would be. I love the storytelling from how the thing has come apart around him. It's like a craft that just barely encompassed his body and it has now been obviously destroyed, but destroyed down like comically down to the studs, like, like almost and almost selling the fact that he got his powers back from the, from the last episode. He's come from the bizarre world where he had like low powers or no powers. And even to have survived that landing and the process of coming back, he got his powers back to not die in that landing. Yeah. And it's something you would, if you read the books that that's is communicated with that last panel. And if you're just looking at it, it's communicated. Yeah. You're so right. Like the violence of these impacts is so necessary so that when they have him almost cartoonishly cheerful pop up at the end, it's like, Oh, phew, he's got his powers back. Mm -hmm. There's, and I say that cartoonishly cheerful, There is something about this series in particular, All-Star Superman, and I think it's completely intentional, where Quietly almost channels like Disney animator into his work. Mm. There's a, 
there's a bounciness, especially when he's drawing Superman. And there's a fluidity to the body language of Superman that feels almost of a piece with like classic Disney animation. Dude, I, like I said, I have I have no contribution to this. Only thing I do got to say, I am not liking the digital skies in this page. It's there one is, thing I can look at. And I just don't know that I like that, dude. There is a there is a lot of highly digital coloring that happens um, throughout All Star Superman, which is a an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Sorry, last thing on this page, but again, it's something that he does so well in All-Star Superman. When you are depicting this very simplified, kind of stripped-down world, the horizon line becomes an important piece of your drawing. And look at how the horizon line just gets slowly and slowly lower to, to, to get you ready for the heroic upshot of Superman. And wow. there's just there's just a rhythm to like, all right, it's almost halfway. Okay, it's it's about the same place. Oh, it's sinking lower. Oh, now it's at the bottom of the page. But hey, look, it's Superman. It's it, that in and of itself contributes to the feeling that he just stood up out of this wreckage. Yep. Yep. Oh. I'm, that, that manipulating the horizon line is is a great call, and the, that he keeps it stable as it goes yes. down, like, almost like he's booming down. Yep. Yeah, it's not like it's it's not like it's rocking back and forth because again, Superman is strong and stable and reliable, and so your horizon is doing the same thing as Superman is reintroduced into the world. Mm-hmm. And that is not over analysis; that is all intentional. I'm telling you. <laughs> all right. Um, spoiler alert, if you haven't read this series, this is from the last issue. But again, in terms of acting, I don't even know if there's much I need to say here. This is like the one time in the entire book where you see Superman punch um, something that isn't like a giant monster. And I love that punch. I don't know what else there is to say. Just the whole lead up. Luthor. Reaching for something in his jacket, Superman moves so fast that from right here through the action, what's he doing? Well, he's clearly reaching for something. The whole panel is pulling you right into here, and then boop, you pull, you pop right over the gutter. Oh, that's what he was reaching for, but now it's in Superman's hand, and super you follow that right through the action. Superman's holding him back as he's grabbing for it, and then faster than a speeding bullet, just a nice pop across the jaw that absolutely knocks him out, out cold. It's so simple, like he's not doing much with these panels, but the acting is triumphant. It's so good. Dude, and and again, the drapery is part of the acting too. Like the fact that that coat has like real mass and stuff and it whips around as his head whips around, like his his collar does that thing. (laughs) And also like the the heft of the smoke, even though again, highly, highly digital, highly digital. Um, But like the smoke as it's at the people. On the outskirts are the people who, you know, the, with their boom mics and the, 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 all the people who want to see what happened. They're coming in from the smoke as it, as it dissipates, you know. Mm-hmm. Love that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's also pretty good to like, I mean, this is the end of the thing. You're trying to deliver this book, three panels with no background. And then, so then, then you, and then you draw to uh, draw kind of sketchy, do, yeah. do some smoke. Nice. 
listen, he does that a lot here. All Star Superman is like the the triumph of no background. So, <laughs> dude, I mean, I'm telling you, that's another reason why he's one of my heroes. Yeah, because 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 you know what, he's a guy who we've said it time and time before. I think it's all due to the storytelling. And like you were talking about Grant Morrison's original conception of this, it's like what if we were playing with our toys and we told the ultimate poignant story playing with our toys? It yeah. doesn't have to be mega city fucking one. You know, well, and the thing that I will give him credit for too, is it's, it's a diegetic way to justify no backgrounds. It's not like he's just leaving it empty. It's like, he does put a few wisps, which are, you know, color holded in the coloring, but it's like, he puts a few wisps of the smoke, but we don't have the image. Trust me on this one. He justifies the presence of the smoke in previous in a previous yes. page. Yes, because very much. So. This fight did encompass like Superman punching Le- or Lex punching Superman through a subway underground, where you see every little bit of it. But it's like yes. by the time we get here, there have been things that have occurred that justify the smoke surrounding the entire action. So and and it's not just even if it- and even if it wasn't, it, uh, even if that wasn't all the way the case, this is the emotional moment of the scene. Like, imagine a bunch of people right behind Lex as he's acting that moment of Superman taking that thing away from him. Just a bunch of people acting in that panel in the back. Would that serve it? Would a no. bunch of rubble serve it? No. You know what I'm saying? No. Yeah, you don't. That's what. I, that's a great point. Like, you don't want to be looking at a bunch of shit all around here. It's like yeah. you just want the the fluid, graceful motion of Lex is reaching for a weapon. Oh, Superman is here now, and he's keeping the weapon out of Lex's hand. Like that's mm-hmm. all you need. Yep. So this is fun. I found some line work. Um, so this series was famously digitally uh, inked. So what Quietly did is he laid down as tight of lines in pencil as he possibly could. And the colorist just essentially upped the contrast and then colored over them. So he penciled this traditionally and the cle- the cleanliness of these lines is something to behold. Like they're first of all, so delicate and there is not a smudge you got to figure he's lightboxing a bunch of shit. Like, I can't even imagine what he did to get to the point where these pages are this clean. Oh, shit. There it is. I mean, I'm loving. Have you, can you zoom in on that top panel where the, where this he hits? Where he, he just he hits and look at those. Look at the peep. Oh, my God. Just boom, 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 boom. Like the shockwave, these things are farther away, so they only get their butts lifted up. But those things are closer, so they get flipped entirely. Yes. The library with its multiple columns, that that building and those slanted windows that's right you know, to the left of the library. I mean, come on, man. Come yeah. on, man. All these all these windows are open a little bit differently. Like that's so that's so funny to me. I mean, the other thing is too, like, look at what he's doing. Even like these are just barely smudges, these people on the steps of the library. But like you can tell those are people fleeing and falling in terror. Mm-hmm. And look how small they are on that page. Like and, and look how much detritus, like besides those bricks and stuff from the epicenter, as you track to the right, that cup by the by the bizarro guy's hand and the piece of paper and the uh, just all this stuff. Little well, stuff. And the use and the use of shadows, like 
the shadows under here tell you that this stuff, no, it's it's up off the ground. Like that's how big of an impact or that's how hard the, the blast is, whatever it is. The use of shadows under the uh, under the cars just to sell, like you said, no, just the back is up because the shockwave has only reached that far. But over here, these, I mean, clearly that one's off the ground, but this guy's completely off the ground. This guy's completely off the ground. Like there's such a sense of life and motion with so little in terms of, you know, the actual line work. And of course, those four bricks, the the, the bricks in the foreground, I mean, to the right of the panel. I just, oh, I love that stuff. Look how crinkly and fat and juicy they look. They look like they were poured and then years of weather. I don't know, man. I, I guess I found my fetish, dude, doing these videos, just the weathering. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be a weatherer, Bill. I'm going to leave the industry and go join Marvel as a weatherer for belts and stuff. Well, it, it's really funny because like, he creates perspective with the quality of the line where it's like yeah. these buildings in the far background, like behind the explosion, are all very uh, ruled out you know, straight lines. But here in the far foreground, it's like these crinkly textured lines. And that's how you because you're seeing more detail in the bricks that are up here close to you. I just want to appreciate as well. Um, again, the acting and the body language and the fact that like these are not just interchangeable, you know, stock people like they all have their own wardrobe, their own body language. They all have some business this guy over here is hiding. This lady is trying to tend to this person on the stairs. This lady's freaking out because her son thinks it's Superman, so he's running towards danger. This guy is maybe thinking about stopping that kid, but is too scared to act. Like, and these are just ba- these are background figures that are barely there. Hmm. To communicate that what's so small, like that mom's face and all that jazz, yeah, that that just that's just a, it's remarkable. This is a this is a great page. So this is the page immediately following the one that we just looked at. Um, yeah, and I just want to zoom in so we could go from panel to panel. So, you know, that kid runs towards what he thinks is Superman, but it turns out to be Bizarro, and Bizarro rises up all menacingly. So again, we said there are times when Quitely is going to skimp on backgrounds in All-Star Superman, but clearly not here. So Superman comes flying through. You get the wisp of the smoke showing and selling that motion. You see just enough of Superman behind this plane, this jet engine. Um, And the impact of the jet engine is sold by all the detritus from the street and the way that it's moving in relation to Superman moving with the jet and the way that Bizarro's body language against the jet shows that he just got walloped off his feet. Like what an amazing panel that is. I mean, and, and then, and then also though, the motion of it going, even though we're coming in that other way, it going out that way mm-hmm. uh, uh on the other side of the panel and we see the background actors and him a light la- landing in front of the kid it's almost like we needed we need because we're, we're coming down from from bizarro's feet down to superman's head right so the the action of this first panel comes flying here but then yeah you come down through bizarro and it scoops you and, and this curve right superman could have been hitting him with everything but it's a choice 
to use, again, the circle motif is coming back. Superman arrives to save the day. And so the harsh angles uh, uh, and straight lines of the columns and the steps turn into something circular and soft. But so Superman comes, that compositionally takes us back down through here. We place, place these people here to catch your eye. There's something to look at. And then it brings us over here. And even just the back and forth action of Superman comes in left to right to clear out the danger. And now he's moving back right to left to tell everybody to, to, to get to safety and to make sure that the kid's okay. And yeah, uh, like, like you said, the body language of like, he's, he's a, a light, you know, him just lightly touching down the way the Cape just lightly catches the breeze. It's been said a lot, but like, the, this conception of Superman is so strong and so in control that he's never really tense. And so here, even as he's saving the day, he's he's non-threatening. He's light. Yep. Oh, and he grabs a look. And then you can see the storytelling of where that stuff ended up, slammed up over there. And as we're talking about Superman, you know, looking tense and, or not looking tense, looking light, looking safe, looking relaxed. Two panels later, quietly shows you what the opposite looks like. So it's like, again, that's clearly a choice because this guy could not be more tense and more, you know, uh, flexing and, and ready to go. So just masterful stuff. And just all the stuff flying out as he bursts out of his 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 jet engine tomb. In yes. the yeah. And, and, and once again, all done without a speed line. It's all just using elements of the scene to convey the force and the motion and the speed. It's just unbelievable stuff. Yeah. For force cracks. That's what I would say. He, he shows force and he shows the cracks in the scenes Force seams, force crack seams, force crack <laughs> seams. I love that. <laughs> um, this, I think is just a great example of acting also a great example of no backgrounds, but again, he justifies it because they're in a white room. That's essentially a giant led volume before we had such things. So, mm-hmm the walls turn to screens later in the scene, but the acting of him supporting himself against this beam and then mm, full exertion. It's like, I can feel this mm, that Morrison scripts in there. Yeah. Like he, and he's pushing so hard and you get to see it. Like he's breaking their system. And he, all you got to show is just this little bit of action here on the side of pa- on the side of the panel. And it sells like nothing else. You are now pushing against the equivalent of 200 quintillion tons. I just I love that. Where it's like it just shows you it's not about strength anymore because he's too strong for anything. Right. So now we're 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 into other realms in this story. Right. And actually, here's a great example. So this is where quite least Superman exerts himself, and you can see the tension. You could see the flexion. You could see that like there is force being applied from his feet up through his core up into this arm. And so, again, when he's not portraying him that way, when he is portraying him more relaxed, which is most of the time, it's all a conscious choice. I also love, he keeps doing this thing where he'll set the horizon line at the bottom edge of the panel. And it just creates such interesting composition because it allows Superman in the foreground to be the biggest thing you see. And then the background, I mean, he does use perspective this one point perspective that you see on all the machinery but like as things shrink they're also moving into the background 
It's just a, yeah. a simple way to create visual hierarchy. Yep. Again, a quiet moment where I think the storytelling is just stellar. Here's another example, too, of this very simplified world that everything is taking place in. This nice, this box couldn't be more simpler. Primary colors, beautifully rendered bow, middle of frame. Watch the action move down the middle of frame in these five stretched out panels. But you get just, and he, he makes use of the edge of frame just enough to justify it where it's like, all right, here is a present. Here's a present sitting on a table. What's that going on back there? Oh, it's a giant window. And we're revealing the figures. And we see these flowers, which he picked in the previous issue, are still on the table. So we're in the same time period as the previous issue. And all ending, you go from close up, pull out. Here's the farthest look. Now we push back in and we're back into a close up. Like this is just gorgeous, smooth, simple storytelling. And one thing uh, you you have noted many times, you're down with short cape Superman, Love. and this is like so exemplary of that. And if you could zoom in on Homegirl's face in the in the uh, fourth panel, uh, yeah. she that it's her being like that. You can see from the script, the script is being like, "Are you serious? I get to be like you for a whole day?" Just her being this determination of like, "Yeah, I'm about to do this." Like that, she that isn't a look of wonderment or gratefulness, no, or in any of these other emotions, that is a serious, oh, I get to be like you. Check this out, yo. Like, no, that's that look. It, it, you know, it, she, without the script, you could tell from the way she's looking at him. She's like, you fucking shitting me right now? Like, yeah. let, like let's fucking go, man. Yeah. Like, she's so excited to do that. That That's the look when you, when you, when you go, when you tell your girlfriend you want to do something super boring that costs a lot of money on Sunday morning. <laughs> That's the look they get on their face. <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> oh. All right. Again, the storytelling, we're keeping everything in the middle of the panel. We're cascading down. Again, our great circle motif for Superman, broken only by the introduction of, I mean, and this really makes it obvious, but the square earth, you're seeing the... Um, you're seeing the uh, the shadow of the square Earth here on Mars, but look at the look at this storytelling where it's like he's turning away. So we just left the Sun Eater. We've got Jupiter, beautiful in the background. He's moving fast enough that like here you're barely seeing the curve of Jupiter, and here you can see it from side to side. So clearly, even though he's moved into close up on us, he's moved a shit ton of space in space. Now. He's. I always take this to mean because you would never see it this way. He's moving so fast that like space is warping, so you could see both uh, Mars and the Earth here in the same panel. This also might just be a coloring mistake, where this is supposed to be the Moon and Earth. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. But anyway, perfect perspective on Superman flying away from us. It's almost like from this panel to this panel, he zoomed past the camera, and now we're just trying to keep up with him. But then the camera catches up and starts to see, oh, there's something coming out from behind this planet. And then, boom, just smashed in the face by something he didn't see coming. Uh, again, beautiful body language here and the impact without having to use, you know, speed lines, force lines, anything like that. Yeah, and his cape, his cape, like the impact oh. pushing his cape forward. 
Yeah, he again part of the acting in this series, masterful use of cape dynamics. He's great. Oh, He's great yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, and again, this was just uh, this is such a weird composition. Like, look at how tiny these two panels are uh, in terms of like their their verticality versus how horizontal they are. But there's just something that works where it's, again, that very rhythmic sense of we're moving from like this wide shot where he's coming at us and damn, he traversed a lot of space. Now he's up in our grill. And now we push in even further where we're inside the thing that he's carrying. And now we take a moment. He's passed us completely. And we're just left here looking at the sun, which is kind of a pregnant image, given what we're about to learn. And then boom. We reset. There's that little bit of the sun. So it's like your focus never moves from the middle of these pages. You've got a circle telling you, look here in the middle of every single one of these panels. Um, but you still get the sense of like rhythmic passage of time and motion through space, even as rigid as this is all laid out. I do. I do. Yeah. I love the the hugeness of what's depicted in the smallest panel. Yeah, and the, you know that that's there's something that's a big nuts cartooning right there, brother. Yeah, it's just so the way this is laid out and paced, and like the choices he makes, even in panel sizes, and these like very fat open borders to the gutters. Yeah, there's, there's something that just feels like so cozy, like you feel taken care of by these pages. They're so. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's such an ephemeral thing, but it's like there's there's a I don't even know what it is. It's like the the his use of space and layout almost reflects how you want Superman to make you feel. Like it's reliable and it's solid, but it's still <laughs> playful and unexpected. Like it's oh. Well, as oh, as a little bit of a so-called over-analysis, if you look, uh, the top panels are surrounded by the white borders, and they are basically um, like this stable stack of images that depict this specific time frame of him grabbing up the dudes with his super new power, flying, saving them, them acknowledging that he's saving them, using a new power he never had, and that central image of the sun. And then once we get out of that time frame, that motion, we're in the future here on the mm. on the and that one is all the way extended to the sides. That yeah. that one is able to break out of that because it's not in those moments anymore. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's I think that's him on purpose as well. Yeah. No, we, I, we talked I, about in the last episode his ability to like stack them like Polaroids on top of each other. Right. This is a graduation of that sort of concept, I guess. I, I would agree. I think you're right on that. Um, again, this is in no particular order. So here's just another little bit of Clark Kent, Clark Kent development sketch, but look how good that is. Just that capturing of the body language. Like you could tell from the beginning, that was what quietly wanted to focus on here was like capturing that acting. Dude, I'm going to just draw some comics that look about that level finished and call it a day. <laughs> just <laughs> just I mean, if, you, if you did a good story, if you did a good story and this stuff looked like that, people would love it. They'd be, you know, it'd be a movie in no time. Yeah, and I, I I do think it's commendable though that like clearly this is how he sketches, and so the fact that he takes it from there to that tight level of finish that we've been looking at is just nuts. So I mean this this is gonna you can you can see the the rhythm that they're creating in this book because I'm about to just say the same thing I've been saying, but like we keep our center of focus 
in this very rhythmic, you know, moment to moment fashion in the middle of the page. But I love this little touch of we established the Superman figure small flying towards the Daily Planet. And then almost that exact same figure is repeated right down here. And it gives you just enough information. There's a clear diagonal you're supposed to read on this page, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's telling you from the first panel, diagonal. Everything is pointing down into the center. And then all the motion on this page is like, read uh, left to right, go this way, this way. And when you do that, it reveals this clever little Easter egg, which is Superman swooping down towards this scene of almost chaos. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just fucking love it, man. Like it's just, Dude. it's so clean, but it's so, it's so good. It's so good. And Perry White's big bride of Chucky ass head with his dumb fifties part. <laughs> it's perfect. It He's is. perfect looking. God, it's just, I mean, but look at this though. It's like, Read on a diagonal, face to face to face, read on a diagonal, out down to this dog, and oh yeah, look at look at what's waiting for you at the end of that diagonal. Oh mm-hmm. come on, Frank. Dude, yep. And anyway. he's gonna save a kid from the truck. And dude, and well he's, now he's, yeah, oh god, that we're talking about dude, George what's his name? George Lipton asking Clark Kent, now, this scene from your life where you're acting like a bumpkin, even though you're the most graceful man in the world, how, what were you thinking about? Stanislavski method? Perhaps a little bit of a, you know, yeah, what, what, what was he thinking about here? I, I don't know, man, but so this is, this is literally the, the next page after what we just looked at, where Clark Kent is fired in three, two, going to save this kid and this dog, one, Hold the presses. He comes in fixing his tie. Everybody who knows anything about Superman knows what that means. And Mm -hmm. the coup de grace, we're going to trip over Cat Grant's bag. We're going to lose our, we're going to lose our eyeglasses. We're going to drop our folder. We're going to stand up. We're going to knock the coffee out of Steve Lombard's hand, but we're going to catch it on its way down because we're Superman and we're going to continue in and you know what? That Steve Lombard bit, just because I don't like him and want to make him look stupid, but that was maybe a little bit too slick. So here in the last panel, I'm going to go ahead and slip on that piece of paper that I uh, <laughs> was stepping on here. It's like you see what's going on through his head. You see the choices that he's making as an actor in the moment. And I just love the fact that like because Steve Lombard's a dick, like He's got to take just a moment to get over on him a little bit. Like, God, just you know, a little bit. Yeah, dude. And look bit. at the the kid and the dog. The kid has a wonder look on his face. Like, he can't quite. He's like, oh, man, that's crazy. And the dog looks so happy. Like, ah, oh, man, it's awesome. You know, and Perry White looks so mad. And, and, and Lois looks like, man, this this fool and then jimmy is genuinely concerned because he loves clark and he thinks clark is a super cool guy it's like oh mr kent and she's like this happens three times a week and he's like what the fuck like it's just (laughs) it's all there man and you know what you know what's great about this though is like you don't see the superman save so you as yourself have to put together in your head that in that moment between when perry white said two and one Superman grabbed that kid, saved him from the truck, and showed up at the Daily Planet. But just in case you're not quite putting it together, again, we establish he's carrying these papers, and the papers go flying to sell this sense of motion, 
And here, back out on the street, where the panel border is different than here in this scene, the papers are still settling, still falling down to the ground. And it's like, it almost sells that this entire page is just one motion with what he did back here on the street. Man. Oh! I mean, and all that, all that figure drawing also, by the way, a lot of amateur artists, myself, you know, bro, draw, draw me a dude seven times, dude. I don't want to draw anything seven times for one panel, seven times for one panel and different acting. It ain't even the same thing. No, and this is what I mean. By the way, this is, this is like straight out of Disney animation. Like Mm -hmm. this looks like something that might've been drawn for like beauty and the beast. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that influence is very, very strong uh, throughout this entire series. And but though it's like it's like he went to a Disney school and then they kicked him out because he was drawing people like he wanted to draw them and he wasn't doing like the house style or whatever. And he was just took all those super skills to this, you know, to this place where he could have the, a total control. You know, that's fair. No, that's fair. Um so here's another, I mean, this is a famous cover, him over Jonathan Kent's grave. Um, it's cool to look at the pencils because you can kind of see, you could see some of what he's erased. You can also see he laid in this blue line um, sort of, uh, what would you call that? Like, not triangulation, but he essentially dissected the, the page up. He put the center of focus there so he knew he didn't draw anything there but he wanted to know where the center of focus for your eye was going to be and then he drew around it because you can see the diagonal from where superman's looking goes right down to the horizon line which means you can then move either up here or over here to crypto it's like he's he's doing a lot to make sure that your eye is it's that idea of being um, secure and 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 taken care of, I think, comes from this. It's like he's not putting things in odd places. He wants to put things in very comfortable positions for your eyes. So even just the relationship of all these elements, there's not, I mean, there's no overlap between him, the moon, crypto, the, the um, headstone. They're all their own isolated pieces of the drawing and it's just about arranging them in this very comfortable round composition where just little bits you know the direction of his gaze the direction of crypto's gaze everything just works to kind of keep you nice and safe in this composition i don't know man it's just oh i like how work like this Dude, I like how the uh, all the blades of grass are pointing at uh, Kent's gravestone too. Yep, it's like there's no way you could like if you were thinking about what's Superman thinking about? Why is the dog looking up? The moon looks cool. Look at those branches. Look at that grass. Oh, there's Jonathan Kent's thing. If you were that oblivious, you would eventually get there to the fact that this is that's what that is. I mean, now that you say that, it's almost every element. You've got branches pointing you down there. You've got both of their capes and the wind pointing mm-hmm. you there. You, mm-hmm. Like I said, you've got this diagonal where even if you start at Superman, it's like you got to come down this diagonal and it ends at his gravestone. And yeah, yeah and like I you mean, were saying, just, the branches, the branches to the moon, to the to the figures, to the stone make a perfect circle. Like, yeah. You're right about that. 
And even like he drew every blade of grass, dude. <laughs> he drew every blade. Of I mean, grass. and that's like a real lot. Like I wasn't trying to comment on that because I know we've been so gushing on the stuff that like a lot of the comic fans have trained themselves to not give a damn about that because so right. many of your fa- so many of your frankly favorite artists don't give a damn about that and don't do a good job of that. And it's all smoke around the feet all the time for a yeah. lot of y'all's favorite guys. That's what they do. But with this dude, it's like, and I, and I was thinking it before, and it sounded so dumb in my mind, and I'm going to say it again, and it is, it's equally dumb. I think, in Frank Quietly's mind, in an image, some grass can be as important as Superman. Sure. Or a brick can be as important as as Perry Mace, Perry White or whatever. You know, I, I think he thinks of it as, if I don't draw this grass or this glass or this rubble or these cars or this stadium or this parking lot or whatever, I won't get across the emotionality I'm trying to get across. So I like almost like, 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 uh, as a reflex, I have to make it as grounded as possible so I can get across this emotion so it could be in our real world and not just this thing that I know it is, which is meticulously placed lines that our minds are forcing into these shapes that represent humanity. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you look at this stuff, because this is such a definition, all this work is such a definition of like what I love and appreciate in comic book art. It leaves me a little bit like, what do people not see or what do they see in this that I'm not getting? Because it is really polarizing. Like some people just don't like Frank Quitely's artwork and I just don't understand that on such an incredible level. Like I can't put myself in that headspace to look at all the stuff we've been looking at and like not appreciate it on the level that we're clearly appreciating it. Yeah, I, I don't know how anybody could because uh, – but you know what I think it is? I think there are people who – when we've di- diagnosed it, there's people who go to comics to look at pretty pictures. And there's people mm-hmm. that go to comics to get story. And I think there are definitely people who want to see stories full of people that are pretty pictures. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how many people are there that will go, look, man, if Jeff Darrow – uh, Frank quietly and let's say somebody else that don't they have this these super set of skills but it ain't like oh I'm just gonna go look at that for like I mean Jeff Darrow has so detailed that a lot of people look at his stuff for pleasure especially a lot of cartoonists but just these guys that have this level of storytelling in every single image those guys are big brands but they are smaller than a guy who just knows how to put those muscles on Batman. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? That right. those guys always get over, you know, it's always some genius person that isn't as appealing as the guy who just speaks in these clipped forward sentences and gives you a staley gaze. And I'm, I'm just living, man. I'm, you know, those guys will always get over because there's something clear about that. But these guys that take all this thought, I guess we're there for us, there for us to appreciate. I guess so. This page, there's not much more to say than what we've been saying. And again, I just want to point out that like clearly Morrison and Quitely were trying to create this sense of rhythm. It's not even sameness because I don't think anything here feels redundant, but it's like, again, we're leading through time and space, middle of the page Every element is leading you back there. All these compositions are just stable, right? There's nothing weird going on, except in the moments where we do have villains like these guys 
now suddenly we're introducing strong angles where the smoke is moving at a diagonal. It all leads your eye where you want it to go. Like you very clearly read this page down the middle over here, follow the smoke to Superman, follow Superman and the smoke back through this way. And the, the motion of his cape whipping into the next, into the next page. Like it's very clear and easy to read. Um, but the things that he's doing in the margins of that easy, clear and easy to read. Again, look at the background work that's happening. Look at the impact work that's happening. Look at the acting from people. These people are losing their hats. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that part. Yeah, and there is a tilt to everything. If you really look at it, the mm -hmm. buildings in the in the second panel even are tilting. The buildings in the first panel are tilting. The buildings in the third panel are tilting because things are off kilter. People. These guys have come and beat up. They slammed Superman to the moon so hard that it damaged the moon, as you can see from his dialogue at the bottom. Like, what have you done to the moon? You know, you've, bro you've broken the moon. He's he's like, and and his face is bloody. He's got like a little a little mustache goatee made of blood there from yeah. these dudes slamming him around. It's like everything's off kilter in this page, and that's why everything's off kilter in this page. No, that's a great point. Like we've looked at so much of this stuff, and we've noted how it's like, oh, these great minimal, like horizontal and vertical lines, and now we come to this page, and there is not a straight horizontal or vertical line to be found. Like that's crazy. Yeah. All right. So this is from that same issue. Uh, this is mostly just here to marvel at uh, the level of detail that Quitely puts in to a book that we've also taken to task for being light on backgrounds. But <laughs> there is a, a volcano that's about to destroy this South Pacific Island. And, but these Kryptonians uh, have been tunneling under the volcano. They emerge from underground. The volcano is collapsing, but they stay floating in the air. And we see that they have dug tunnels to cause the volcano to collapse into um, concentric craters. And uh, dear God, the amount, just the sheer amount of drawing that's happening in this page from the, this. The sheer amount of conceiving. Oh, my Conceiving goodness. of this page. And I'm not even talking about uh, Grant, like, conceiving of it. I'm just talking about, okay, they go like, there's, okay, even if you go panel one, slim panel across the top, there's a, uh, there's a bunch of uh, people trying to escape uh, uh, a, a volcano thing. Okay, second panel, a lady, a, a guy pulling his lady love out of a hole in the ground. I guess it's inside the volcano. Third panel, they're like embracing as like the stuff collapses. Fourth panel, you see that that's collapsed. Fifth panel, they're looking down and they're going to say some stuff. If you just wrote that in the script, like how, when you're sitting down to draw it, what do you do? What do you, pop quiz, hot shot, what do oh. you do? <laughs> oh. I, I'm telling you, I mean, like, for as much detail and crazy shit as is in here, you know, look at all these people in the foreground. It's still so readable because it's like all your perspective and your motion just leads you back to this one gigantic ass thing that's right, that's popping up over your horizon line. Again, mm -hmm. in this book, horizon line is very important. And its shape just leads you all i mean even just like whatever this is i can't quite tell it's a little bit pixelated but just this foliage in the foreground the angles uh on this burned out building and everything once you come down to it come down here right into the cape and the the smoke and we're in these guys and once you've seen these guys okay come down here ah look there's lava follow the lava up to them and they're looking at each other so we come up to them it's just a nice little contained moment 
and we come down from them. And oh, we're coming down right here. So let's take the coastline to lead you right into them. And what are they looking at? It's another big circle. So go around the circle and follow this line out the panel. What does that do? Takes you right into his shoulder, which takes you right to her face, which takes you right to his face. And then we're going to move on. I mean, it's like, what a what a magnificent piece of composition. Dude, just it's just it's just masterful and really all about storytelling. Like we've we've been pounding into the ground because it's totally true. I don't think any of this is for like ah, it'd be so cool. It'd be so cool if this. Right. I think he I think he gets jazz. Well, wouldn't it be cool if I communicated this utterly perfectly? Where with they don't even need these. I think he's got a real thing about like I don't even the, give me the script so I can draw it. But after that, you don't need the script anymore, really. Because they can see everything that happened. Because I drew it. One hundred percent. I mean, any one of any one of these books, you don't need the dialogue to appreciate exactly what's going on. Um, so again, his pencils. This is where uh, Jimmy Olsen has transformed into Doomsday and fights Superman <laughs> and fights him to a standstill, and now he uh, turns back into regular Jimmy Olsen. The only thing I want to point out here, and I don't know if this is in the script or not. But this is the moment that the fight stops and the, the collapsed Daily Planet letters spell yield. Y-I-E-L-D. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. But the, can you zoom in a little bit on the top panel? Because I, I, I want to see some of those um, some of those famous windows, baby. Yeah. Look at that famous window action I mean, look at, there. Yeah, look at the three. Like on the edge the edge of this frame the three-dimensionality and you could see he laid this all out meticulously with the blue line on the letters on the windows on the ledge the way that this i, I don't know if it's blood or liquid is pooling on the ledge the mm -hmm. way he's drawing the cracks in the window in perspective the way you see the 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 edge of the window that's shattered in perspective mm -hmm. i mean come on man and you could and the thing is uh, you know, tips from a loser. You could fudge any of this. You could fudge <laughs> any of this, and nobody would really notice. You could fudge almost any of this if you had these like, these great camera angles and you couldn't draw quite as good as this. Yes, part of it would look bad, but your dynamism would still pop. Right. People could still see that you were a cartoonist who was thinking. But he can draw all of the stuff that he conceives of, which is why he's one of the greats. Almost anybody can conceive of a great panel angle. Ooh, worm's eye view from a such and such and such. And then you execute it and it looks like ass. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's also worth noting, like clearly the uh, the vanishing point here is Jimmy Olsen's face, right? But like mm. all of these fucking letters are in 3D perspective going to that vanishing point. Like, it doesn't need to be that perfect. Are you shitting me? Like, you're even seeing the hint of a shadow underneath with the line weight because it's sitting here on the ground. And the fact that, like, obviously the perspective is going to work different on the front of the letter versus the back of the letter, where you also see these studs that are the connecting points where it was attached to the globe. Like, oh, man. Come oh, on. And I, I'd be remiss. If I didn't say uh, that when you the title of this ass man, <laughs> <laughs> I this mean, is, just sense of humor, dude. <laughs> this is where I wish Ron was on the podcast with us because he would love that. He would love that. Uh, 
All right. So, I mean, there's, <laughs> I probably pulled too much all-star Superman. We can, we can go on this forever, but we should move on to the next series, but just worth appreciating again, just the acting, the sense of motion here in the capes, you know, he just and that got- third panel. Look at that third panel. I mean, I, I love the acting in the other panels, but that third panel has like dementors and stuff coming out of the sky to ravage the world. I mean, no, I'm sorry, the fourth panel uh, has dementors coming out of the sky to ravage stuff and just the perspective going off into the distance. It's just that's a panel for your ass as far as storytelling. Uh, two things to point out. I love crypto here huddled behind Superman as the wind <laughs> kicks up so much. Um but look at this. So this this beast that comes on the uh, in the bottom panel is called the Chronovore, and it eats time. So what does Quietly do? We start with a leg of beef that you might see in a butcher shop. Move to skeleton cows. Move to desiccated cows. Moving all the way to healthy cows running away from it. It's crazy. So it fucking eats good, man. Time. Oh. All right. We can go all day. This is from the same issue. Again, the acting. I This is one of my favorite panels. It's this small panel in a very quiet moment. But again, the composition of the fact that he's walking up this snow-covered hill, the grace in the cape, sort of the resoluteness of his stride without yeah. coming across as being threatening. Like, mm-hmm. oh. It's just well, pure fucking drawing. Dude, I mean, everybody who thinks they can draw, draw a, a profile and place that off leg, the leg that's behind the body. Just just place it. Place it correctly 10 times in two different places and talk to me about drawing. You know, it's, it's, yeah. there's so many people who think so 2D. There are brilliant superstar artists that think super 2D. Yeah. In the comic book space. Um, I mean, this is one of the great all-time images. I mean, I I like that you pulled this version of it, though, because I love the. I mean, I'm telling you, like, if 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 some of the black and white zines ever got somebody this talented to draw for them, it could bring black and white zines back in a certain way. Especially if you give them just maybe a tiny bit more black than Frank quietly would use. But I'm just looking at instructive in my own practice, like the lightness of line on figures. Mm-hmm. And then the darkness of certain other stuff in black and white, it can really pop. I was reading Kabuki back when Homeboy was doing them as like, yeah, like basically like just very cheap black and white books for caliber comics, I think it was. And man, that was some great stuff. Just the, the so seeing Frank Quietly play around with this, I would love to see a Frank Quietly black and white just extravaganza book. I also just have to point out, like. This may have been traced, but it certainly wasn't photostatted. Like, it wasn't like they just took it and treated it in Photoshop. Mm. This dude drew the Earth, not only the continent of uh, North America and a bit of South America, but all of the fucking weather patterns. Like, he drew Mm. all that. Yeah, dude. And it it kind of sucks because when they get it into color, they treat it in such a way that it looks like it might as well have been just ripped from a photo or something. Right, but he drew it. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, at least we know, and just the, the the dirt kicking up as she kicks her heel up to be doing that Doris Day thing or whatever. Again, using environment to sell motion. I, I yep. just he he uses it better than anybody. Um, this is another one of my favorite pages of 
barely anything happening, but it's still just glorious. This snowstorm with her kind of tucked away in the fortress and then the reverse angle as she's taking a taking a shower. Real se- real sexy look at Lois Lane between these two panels without being in any way inappropriate, which is kind mm-hmm. of uh, a nice achievement on his part. And then just, again, the acting. Like, you could see there's a little bit of awkwardness between them because this isn't an issue where he revealed himself as Clark Kent and she didn't believe him. And they're both kind of trying to feel each other out at this point. And it's like, mm-hmm. you feel it in the, in the body language there. God, another one of my favorite pages. I, I, I can keep doing this, but again, just well, the, the sun eater page though is a, is a bad boy. I mean, the, the, the body language, just the, every image of Superman He's, 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 he's very proud to show her what he has here. And he's mm-hmm. grabbing up this hammer to, to smash a sun. But again, look at just how gentle and graceful and fluid that figure mm-hmm. is. Holding on to his cape a little bit because he's still got a little bit of nervousness. They're having this weird moment between them. In the script, he's going, sons, what else? When she asks him what she <laughs> feeds the sun eater. And there is just something like goofy and cartoonish and boisterous about everything about this panel and then the joy with which he's feeding the sunny. I love that one. That's sun. my jam. That's it's my jam so right there. Good, man. Look, look at, at the, the, look, even his face. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's so, so small, but he's just, he's having a good time. And just the body language, even if you couldn't see his face, for some reason, something was covering his face with smoke or some detritus or something, his hands and his stride. And his kind of like, oh. yeah, girlfriend, look at this. <laughs> And, and uh, yes to all that. And again, this cape, just the the subtle motion, like you feel that gentle wave of his arm just in the way that his body's catching his cape. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Classic four panel, four panel origin plus uh, this. I only show this page because you need to see what Superman flying over the sun looks like in pencil. Oh, so wow! Look at this. the The coloring almost ruins it. Wow! I don't even know what to say about it, other than to just like look at the perspective he's able to achieve just by the frequency with which he's overlapping these sunspots, and it just it feels like it goes on into forever. Man, that is really fresh, man. And I I like his treatment of the Superman logo. I've seen certain artists where what they'll do is like they'll get like a Photoshop version of it and just sort of stretch it around. And I'm not saying that anybody should be above or below doing that. But I just believe that his version of the symbol, however he's doing it, he always really takes into account the volume of Homeboy's chest and everything to make it be good. Yeah. Again, I mean, I think I think the in a, in a lot of ways, like the the digital inking and the color does a disservice. That's a beautiful drawing of Superman. It just really is. Yeah, the the coloring kind of covers up some of the emotionality in his face. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So just some more, just more acting stuff, more body acting stuff. Again, this is a, a great example of like this very simplistic world. Like this is Superman's um, vault where he keeps all these dangerous weapons, but it's all just stuff standing on 
giant rectangles, essentially. Um, well, it's a museum of death. Yeah. Yeah, basically. But again, even within, uh, this is so simplistic. Like it's just, you know, basic perspective and then, nope, I'm going to hit you with the circular door that retracts into the wall and you can see every piece of it and it works perfectly in perspective. <laughs> like, man, I mean, even when he's playing, I mean, that's, uh, you know, you know what drawing with Frank quietly is probably like, like just ju- like if he's just jamming with his friends, drawing on a napkin or something in, in the pub or something, and you're just drawing dirty faces and whatever. I just really think it's like a rough housing with Shaq. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like his simplest drawing would be 3D, have emotion to it, have have to have perfect shadows and be complete. And yours would be whack as hell. I think that's the thing. I mean, you said it in, in our last episode, but like so much of drawing is just about seeing. And I think that mm. he just cannot help but see with perspective, with mechanical accuracy, mm. with, you know, this level of detail. Yeah, I think so too. Because that this could be so much more iconographic. It is iconic, but I'm saying sure. it could be iconographic, as in flat as hell. You know what I'm saying? Being more like a like a lithograph or like a carving or something, where or not a carving, but maybe like just just some sort of flat depiction of this. But this isn't flat. You can see the depth of him trying to like. And what is he even doing? This is so symbolic too. Like it's yeah. it's got real heft. And he's symbolically turning some weird gear to restart the sun. It's so it's such an esoteric concept. It's you know what's interesting too about this is like he's pulling in a bunch of of like okay so like this gear and even what he's standing on almost look like kabbalistic like from Kabbalah mm. like tarot cards or something. But then what he's in looks like an artificial heart. But then all this stuff in the background looks like 1950s sci-fi nonsense. Mm-hmm. And then like the posture that he's in, it looks like this is a riff on some image that already exists, but it's not. Like it's vaguely Soviet a little bit. Vaguely like, Soviet. Yeah, vaguely so- Soviet and even, uh, even Polish. You know what I'm saying? When they're making right. like the big giant god statues that are doing something physical. Right. But yeah, it just like it blends all these things together to create its own just kind of timeless iconic image. Mm. So dope. All right, now we're to Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wanted to, to to jump in here on this part. I do love the fact that he does think about all the ways that the costumes fit together. If that's the uh, you know him being like, I know that this material on the boots is felt to the and on the gloves is leather. I don't know. I don't know if that's as deep as he goes. I know he does render different types of stuff different ways, so maybe he's thinking that deep. But I know for a fact he's always thinking about how everything connects. And that's by far the most important part of designing for uh, character designs for comics and stuff. He's always trying to figure out where it connects. What does this do when your arm goes up? how does it bunch when you do this? And I just think that's fantastic. Yeah, no, this is great. Just as a, as a piece of concept art. Um, all right. So, I mean, there's so, again, so much to say. He, he does some similar stuff to all-star Superman, but in a lot of ways he's, he's doing a completely different type of storytelling. And whereas all-star Superman 
was very rhythmic. And, and like I was saying, it just made you feel taken care of. This Batman stuff is kind of anything but, right? So mm -hmm. while you are still reading these stretched panels, they go side to they go across the entire page. They're stacked on top of each other, and you, your eye is meant to stay in the middle. What's happening around that is very kind of uncanny. Like there's no sense of the camera moving. Sometimes you're not even exactly sure what angle you're looking at. Like in All Star Superman, it would it, you'd be very clear that like all right, in a composition like this, the camera might start here push in, push in, pull out, pull out. Here, it's like the camera cuts a couple times. It stays kind of at the same level, but is just maybe kind of looking side to side. It's almost like you're trapped. And this is maybe a little bit of an over, over analysis, but in All-Star Superman, where it feels like the camera moves in very smooth, deliberate ways, in these Batman and Robin stories, it feels like the cam you're kind of trapped and the camera is like your point of view as you're trying to figure out where to go or how to get out. And there's mm -hmm. never quite a way to do that. And I don't know. It, yeah. No, I, I concur that that's the feeling of this, just the whole, like you're bonding a mask to somebody's face. That's very well communicated in this. It's like, just put this hot ass plastic on your face. And now that's your new face, bud. And this mm -hmm. is your, my cult. And the, just the, t the tools drawn in perfect perspective. It's just, it's it's all there. But you can also see that this is him trying to be like, look, man, all right, I got to make a dollar and a cent in this business. So I'm going a, I'm to a do what I need to do. And like, this is him trying to jam. And it's yeah. still so beautiful. Yeah, you're right. This is, a, it's a lot looser in a lot of ways, but still quite tight. I also just want to point out the way he's tied to this table is like, functional like if he tries to raise his arms or legs it's gonna choke him and again there's no reason to do that it but it is way more interesting than just like being tied spread eagle or something like it's and and in a lot of ways it's way more disturbing i think that's the key point yeah so again sort of moment to moment you know, action scene so different than All-Star Superman. And even, you know, I think way more evolved than what we saw him do on something like The Authority. Um, maybe similar to We Three, but just taking it into a little bit less of a polished place. But yeah, so still so clear and so fun to read. These guys are ready to fight. Batman picks up the, the fire extinguisher, knocks him in the face, kicks this guy who's coming in from the left. He gets up off the ground. He's on his feet. Now he's here, kicks him back, squirts him with the fire extinguisher. That fight scene is done in four panels and now he's got to find Robin. But again, mm -hmm. nothing about those four panels is like stock or lazy. It's just, it's so fun to read. Yep. And again, if there was a whole bunch more background, would this be better? Mm -hmm. no, so you might as well just do do what you got to do. Get it, get, get it done. Let's go. Let the, let the colorist take care of that. Yeah. Um, Your favorite, Big Head Robin. You love this stuff. And, and I this love, is a different Robin than the one he drew earlier that, for the, the video. Correct. Yeah, I love me some Damian Wayne Robin. Um, and the way that Quitely draws him, he's just like, he's like a lollipop head. But <laughs> there's, he's, he's so cute. 
it like emphasizes he's very cute and then he just does some absolutely horrific shit which i think is just a great a great uh, con- uh contrast this i think is great though because again this is there's there's shades of all-star superman in the layout where it's like we're going moment to moment the eyes open where am i little bits of the world swimming into view reverse angle now it's a point of view from robin but then suddenly we're over here in some kind of weird i don't know whose point of view this is it's just the point of view from next to the razor that's on the table and so it's like you think you're in okay i get what we're looking at and then boom drill razor some blood scared person like oh shit you just dropped me right in there like Damn, it, saws are my weakness. Every time I see a damn saw, my uh, I used to know a guy with a couple of missing fingers from his table saw accident, and I was just like, I was just thinking about beautiful little sausages, baby. <laughs> Every time I see a saw, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I just I I get creeped about creeped out about it. But yeah, um, oh, you can go on to the next slide. So, right. uh, basically, I love love Damian Wayne fighting. I love how they depict it ever since Frank quietly kind of laid it down. You know what I mean? To be, yeah, to be clear, this is the first time that you see Damian Wayne, Batman's son as Robin. And the first, the first three issues were drawn by Frank quietly. So he really kind of established the, uh, the visual language of that. There's something about this. And I don't know that other artists do it as well, but you understand how this scrawny little 10-year-old kid can hold his own in a fight. And right here is a great example. He kicks the, <laughs> he kicks this lady's knee, getting her to drop her cane, at which point he grabs her, her pinky and her thumb, twists as he kicks her in the face, and then compound fractures her wrist. And it's like, you understand, that, that's a complicated series of events, and you understand exactly what's going on in like stomach churning detail the way quietly <laughs> renders that. Yeah. And I, I love um, just the simple storytelling of Batman in the bottom two panels where he's just like, ah, wrapping these guys up, wrap them up in a comic book ball of wrapped up guys. You know, <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's something to depicting the classic comic book wrap up of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of influence. And I think Morrison cop to it of like the Adam West, Burt Ward, Batman 66 series mm-hmm. in this Batman and Robin. And I think you're exactly right. Things like hog tying the bad guys as the cops come in at the last minute and they're like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, this is interesting. So <laughs> to your point, a lot of uh, negative space here, letting the colorists do a lot of work. But what's important, the flying Batmobile and this old jalopy that little Mr. Toad is trying to get away in. And just yep. look at how off the ground, all four wheels off the ground. As the cartoonist kayfabe guys have said, as Frank Miller has said, you do cartooning with a car, all four wheels off the ground. <laughs> yes, sir. I, I, I think it's just wor- worth pointing out. Some of that sleekness that he really established the visual language of in We Three is imported into the Batmobile here. So again, there's not a straight line on this car, just nothing but overlapping pristine, you know, metal plates. And then here, a perfectly rendered jalopy, but again, still in the Frank Whiteley style 
um, that fetishization of machinery through the front grill. I mean, everything here is just just humming. Yeah, absolutely. I also think it's interesting, again, to further emphasize the sense of motion and the perspective, choosing this rounded shape for the ground. Mm-hmm. It almost feels With like you're shadows. looking at yeah. yeah. You you can see the shadows and the way that he renders those shadows, but it almost feels like this is a fisheye lens or something because there's not a straight perspective line, which is the sort of thing he would do in All-Star Superman. The horizon was always very straight. Not so in a book like this. Yeah, Batman's world, uh, there's yeah, it isn't round it's it's rounded off and weirdly curvilinear. It isn't stable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, just some more excellent fight scenes. You know, I think, as, like we said, if if All-Star Superman was him perfecting his acting, this might be him perfecting his fight scenes. Um, unbelievable stuff here. Just he's tied to the chair and he just he gets out. Just just the power that he exerts in the second and the second as he, he gets out and then he just gives him that big wallop. Bow, bow, bow. Well, you know? and, again, and again, it's great because you're emphasizing what he can do as this well-trained child. It's not like he's just punching somebody in the face and knocking them out. It's mm-hmm. like he escapes. He grabs this tool using his quickness and his balance. He takes it up to face level and then whacks these two people across the face with this fucking giant drill. And now he's using the drills like they're nunchucks, right? So now he's just yeah. cracking people in the face with these drills. Which is so much, it makes so much more sense than just having him do kickflips and shit. It's like right, right. he's he's fighting like he should be as a 10-year-old. And then as like the fat man who we already knocked down gets up off the ground, he uses the momentum. Look at this chair. It's on all four legs. He he gets it up on two legs. Now it's almost coming all the way back to the ground, but Professor Pig here is using the upturned leg to get leverage to stand up. And so now Robin redirects that and uses all that momentum to kick dude in the face. And you see now the chair is standing right back up. So it's just like the sub, the, the, the planning to take all that into account, right? Like it's not just cool images of this kid throwing kick flips. Like there's a logic yeah. to everything. Yeah, I mean, and again, that's down even down to the scripting too. I bet because it's like they they didn't say, "Oh, well, you know, Robin just beats the hell out of everybody." I bet you it was definitely meticulously put in there. Like, no, this this Robin, the whole point of this book is that Batman fights at a more acrobatic and affable way than Batman ever did, and Robin is a hundred times more vicious than maybe any depiction of Batman you've ever seen. Right. So now you've got this just, it's it's like, it's if Batman is good cop, that's your ass. That's what this whole book is trying to say. Yeah. I, I also just think it's so hard to draw a kid and consistently make them look like a kid mm-hmm. while they're in action. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. He does it. I mean, maybe it is just down to that lollipop head, which I freaking love. But like the proportions are never in question. His size in relation to the rest of these people is never off. Like 
this is a tiny little kid who's beaten the shit out of these people. And like, you never question that reality. Nope. Not for one second. Yeah, dude. This is just another great example of the rhythm of these fight scenes. So much looser, so much, you know, more off kilter, off balance than what we saw in all-star Superman. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet not quite as insane as the stuff we're seeing in we three, like this still, there's a plausibility to all the action scenes, which we kind of got into with that last Robin scene as well. So it's like, you're not moving through the gutters of panels the way that the cat did in we three, but there is still a balletic grace to Batman in contrast to the people he's fighting. And And so it's like, yeah, uh, just real quick that, that technique of laying the images out, see how they overlap, which ones overlap with each other. What is the reason what's trying to be communicated? There's something about like, it's almost like the, the, each of them as these slap shots that somebody has laid out, and it's like, was this how the fight went? Let me lay this out. No, no, move this one over there. Okay, that's what happened. You know what I'm saying? Trying to piece it together. You know what I mean? Well, it is interesting because you can see that like these four at the top are really the same sequence of events. I mean, Batman hits two people. He's flipping. Robin, meanwhile, is going off panel. Batman is hitting people as he's in the air. He lands on this guy as he throws a shuriken into this guy's armpit. And it's almost like a little bit disconnected, but still connected. Robin's over here kicking this guy in the face. And then this moment of impact with Batman, that gets, you know, that's not overlapping anything. That gets its own little section. And then meanwhile, you've got this hubcap. I can't tell. Yeah, it is. The hubcap kind of carries you from here down to here. I don't know, man. Like, it's just... It's wild. It doesn't quite have the same logic as like the sequencing in All-Star Superman, but there's a feel to it where it's like you get you get exactly what's going on from panel to panel. Yeah, this is the new the new status quo is these dudes are coming through as two acrobats whooping ass and they're mm-hmm. trying to set up their own like rep reputation mm-hmm. for how they are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I also love the outreach. <laughs> I also love the fact that to your point, no backgrounds because you don't need them. You want the action. But there are props all through these first panels. Yes. But then the moment the action settles down, well, now we can bring the background back into the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really good. Really good. Look at this. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. That, Look at this. It, this, is, this is hearkening back to and just just the I, I, my fa- the thing that draws me into this page is like, I guess, the third panel of Dick Grayson across the top with that really tucked flip with the cape. And then I guess the landing. It's just so sick, dude. The, this Dick selling that Dick Grayson is is a very acrobatic version of Batman. Well, look at the cape acting all through. the. I mean, yeah, here to here to here. Like. Oh, you look at that and you're like, oh, that's how Batman's cape works, which I don't Mm. know if you could say about literally any other artist who's ever drawn Batman. But I look at this and suddenly I'm like, oh, that's how his cape moves. That's what it's supposed to be. It's unbelievable. And that's why it doesn't trip him up because he can tuck it when he's doing mm. flips and stuff or when he's doing something and then he can sw- whip it back out to like 
alleviate smoke or whip it around to so get him a nice field of view so he could beat these guys' ass, you know? Yeah, and it's like even just in the way that it moves from panel to panel, it, it feels like, all right, so there's these it's got these ridges and it's like they're weighted at the points, right? And so that allows yeah. him to control it in a way that's almost like a weapon or something. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I've always loved weighted edge point cape batman agreed couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) (laughs) but yeah those 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 edges that have those those weights where he he's just snapping them like the worst towel snap you ever got in your life well right right in your eyeball you know or or i've seen him like use those to like bleed people like make a little a a cut above their eye so where they start bleeding and they can't see and he could beat their ass you know he, he just does a lot with simple stuff like that and that's batman's edge right He's playing harder than you. He's better at the game than you. And he's relentlessly cheating. That's <laughs> why he's such a super guy. Well, well said. Well said. I also just think like there's so there's so much body language. Like there's so many bodies doing shit across these two pages. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them is just perfect. You know what I mean? It's like you get motion and weight and like a, a logical placement of like tension. And it, I don't know. I, I don't know of many artists who could draw a, a two page spread like this where you're literally drawn probably 20 different bodies across the two pages. And the sense of weight, motion and proportion just stays so good. Yeah. I mean, he's just a master. Yep. Again, just a, a little bit more pencil action, leaving a lot of work to the colorist, but what he does draw is pretty awesome. Um, I love when he uses these really sketchy, fast hash marks to to sort of shadow things in motion. And you see him doing it here with shadows. We've seen him do it with other shadows, and you're seeing him do it with the tire treads as well. Just a great solution that doesn't really break the reality of his more minimalist, you know, delicate lined world, but is still using some of that more comic booky manga style language to communicate motion. Yep. Couldn't said it better myself, man. All right. This is just fun. Uh, more body language as he's developing this professor pig villain, which he created with Grant Morrison. Um, I would just pay, just get, let me pay. $75 to look at your sketchbook for five minutes. Oh. <laughs> it's just like, just go through all of the big fat ones that you just keep it. They're just for all your doodlings on the phone and the different stuff like that. Give me, I would literally, he could sell tours like that. Like have a big, big security guard stand right next to him. All right. You can flip through it. It's all right. So, time. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Cause like, to my knowledge, I don't think he's ever put out like any sort of sketchbook um, release you know, we'll get these little bits and pieces here and there, but this might be me projecting, but I almost feel like he like, doesn't want you to see this. Like, this is too rough. You know what I mean? Like he Mm. wants it to look better by the time you see it as a viewer. And see, I, I, when I draw my best, it looks like the last, the bottom two professor pigs. (laughs) When I do the best I can, and take three days on something, it looks almost as good as those bottom sketch professor picks. Oh. <laughs> just more, just more amazing action, more amazing senses of motion and weight and impact. Like kicking somebody's face into the wall and their whole body's going backwards. Oh. 
You know what I'm saying? As you push their head forwards in that that reverse, that sort of you, and yeah. and he's ripping off the the belt of explosives that the person had on him. Oh my god! Yes, sir. Yeah, I love that when he does that subtle stuff where it's like you can track this belt through these panels where it's like he makes impact, he rips it off as the face goes into the wall, and then he opens it up to find oh they're empty. And then some more great weighted cape action here at the bottom. Oh, and and just the the, the tilt of these panels, like in regards to like uh, they're they're all off kilter as well. But I'm yeah. looking at like the tilt of the top the top two pedals and the, just yeah the borders going nutso on each of them they look even like to jam. the point where the bottom one is almost 3d like it's yeah. it's bit in space there's something about the combination of the geography and geometry within the panels and then these gonzo panel borders these are almost like jazz notes you know what mm-hmm. i mean you remember in the movie soul where they were like portraying yeah, music yeah. like, that's kind of what this is like <laughs> <laughs> that's wild yeah you're right that's that's a great comparison um just some pencils uh from the series here look at what? that lady's hair i mean uh, obviously that kid's acting but like you start at this lady's hair because she's a real person that either survived damien or got saved by him or some combination they're in mm-hmm. and batman's like what's up kid kid's like yeah i'm i, I got something to do <laughs> <laughs> no i mean that's I think that's what I noticed first, but you're absolutely right. Like that's some lovingly rendered hair. Um, but again, even on this where it's like this very strong linear perspective, like this is some one point perspective just leading to the gang coming down the street. Look at how curved this world is and feel how different that is than like what we were seeing in all star Superman. It's just a totally different approach, just even like though building. Look at the arches on that build. They're right there. Yeah. Those, the, come on, man. That's like, those are those weird, like architect, architectural touches for back when this neighborhood was good. Right. Right. Again, look at the, uh, the weighted pleats on Batman's Cape. Love that. Mm. Look at the footwork even like there's yeah. a grace, you know, he's now he's turning, he's turning to square up to get ready, but this foot's still dragging. So, you know, he's going to bring it around and set it down somewhere over here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I love to you, you mentioned earlier about how none of the four wheels of the car are on the ground. Here we've got two two images of Damien where it looks like neither of his feet are on the ground. Like he's just <laughs> bouncing into battle, man. <laughs> and just oh. so con- you get the confidence too. Like That's he really I mean. th- doesn't care. Yeah, there's like a springiness, like, oh, let's go, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, and they just and, and you see like he's got his hand on his on his knuckles like old old uh, Burt Ward. Yes, sir. And like, look, you know, there, maybe there's some over rendering of the details in these faces, but like this image sells. Like this is Batman and Robin about to kick some ass, and it doesn't yeah. need to look badass. Like it just it's it communicates. You know exactly yes. what's about to go down communicates always a big one yes sir all right so now we're going to move this is just one image of madman um this is sort of late stage quietly we come off of batman and robin he is now widely considered like one of the greatest working artists and now he starts to do some some weird one-off experimentation i just love this image look at how simple so we've we've seen his art style working with this very highly rendered digital color Take a moment to appreciate, like, this is almost 
animation style coloring. Like it's mm -hmm. just flat color with a little bit darker color to indicate shadows, a little bit lighter color to indicate some white, hi some highlights. It looks just as good, if not better, on his art style than the highly rendered stuff does. I mean, I'd say better. This is yeah. very good looking stuff. And it's, oh man, this, this, I mean, artists take note. Like, look how instructive this is. Look how little you need to actually sell three-dimensionality, to sell lighting, and to sell that this is a comic book world. Again, this concept that you're ever going to pick colors that are just like what's in the real world is right. preposterous. It well, doesn't – you have to create your own world. And looking at this, I I would guess – I don't know, but I would guess that Quietly himself colored this because this, again, works in sort of his more monochromatic, more toned down, almost pastel-y color choices, um, which is a really great pairing for his artwork. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> I had to put a couple pages. Oh, you had to. You I had to, you man. Had to. I had to. <laughs> so, Whiteley did this short story um, in some one shot that DC put out, which essentially just retells, uh, I think it's New God. It's either from New Gods number one or New Gods number two that, that Jack Kirby did. And it's mm -hmm. not an exact panel for panel retelling, but it's a beat for beat retelling. Like the, the action and the characters are exactly what they were in the Kirby. Dude, down to the sitting on the couch. I mean, I love that part that the first time you saw Dark Side, he was just sort of sitting on a couch like a regular guy. And yes, him just lovingly recreating that is so funny. And that's what I wanted to point out. Like, this is an absurd image, but I think that Frank Quitely knows it's an absurd image. You know what I mean? Like, Quitely wasn't trying to draw a badass dark side or an imposing dark side. He was trying to draw a dark side who's supposed to be badass while sitting on the couch in a one-bedroom apartment. And that is inherently goofy, and I don't think Frank Quitely has a single problem with that. Yeah, it's definitely, that's what it was meant. And also, I think it's it's instructive that, like, I like Orion's acting. He's mm. like, yeah. <laughs> he just comes in to see this crap. Welcome to Earth, Orion. You, you just know he's not, not expecting to see his dad with his wiener out and his little S&M drawers sitting on the Funny. 70s couch. Nobody expected that, you know? I also love the fact, yeah, you're right. There is, like... This is a very heroic moment. Like he's got his hand out, like stay back citizens. And I also love the fact that the dialogue is, it is accursed. <laughs> You've got this, of this dude man spreading in his dress. On the couch. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It is accursed. <laughs> that said, there is some amazing action stuff that happens here. So, I love this image as a follow-up of Orion standing there with his chest out pointing at him, and he's just chilling on the couch. Uh, <laughs> oh, so a, I, I dare anything. You see my outfit? <laughs> <laughs> but in this, you know, in this little panel, like that's a great little composition. You, you know, you tilt the axis to show how weighty Darkseid's presence is. Everything is kind of moving this way. And mm -hmm. look at this crown molding. Like, it's just about how you space the lines apart, but it just sells. Crown molding, 
Same mm-hmm. way with this door frame. We're not we're yeah. not cheating out on the door frame, man. But again, it's nothing but just where do you place the lines? And suddenly you've got this perfectly rendered door frame. Yep. And I, I just always love the way that when left to his own devices, is like, hey, Frank, do you want to use like one line to do somebody's jaw or cheekbone? Nah, man, I think I'm gonna need about 47 lines. <laughs> That's the closest he comes to like cross hatching. Is it just like scratches and it is very Mobius inspired. So it's like Mm -hmm. you gotta give him that. But yeah, he uh he goes ham with those face lines sometimes. But I love this little four-panel sequence right here. So first of all, up to this point, we've established very rigid, you know, six-panel grid, but suddenly um I forget the name of this character. Darkseid's minion shows up and suddenly the panels go off kilter, right? And these Kirby crack, these Kirby dots are so explosive, they're literally shattering the borders of reality. The white of the borders <laughs> come into the panel because of the Kirby crackle. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, man. But just like, so I think it's Kanto is this guy. Clear or Devilance? I don't know. We'll call him Devilance. So Devilance clearly has the upper hand. Sucker punches him or or stabs him right in the back. Great, great sense of motion. Great figure drawing. But Orion, never to be counted out, counters. So now the panel seesaws back the other way. Right, it tips this way first. Now it tips back this way as Orion turns, cocks this punch. He's got this guy's staff in a hold, so that staff ain't going nowhere. You know he's about to deliver an absolute haymaker. We don't need to see it happen. All we need to see is this dude just shattering through a brick wall with the force of that punch. Mm-hmm. And then we look through the hole that was created at at the aftermath of it. I mean, and they say all the time, uh, they said, you can, you can violate the rules that I've seen Frank do it too, of like showing the foot impact the face as a kick, but it's always less effective than stuff like that. It just takes more real estate. So you have to like figure out when you're going to spend, you know, the real estate. Yeah. And it's, it's so different. Like Jack Kirby would show a giant fist that takes up half the page right up in the foreground. And this guy's head snapping back like this. Right. So that's a Kirby approach to this sort of action. This little bit more nuanced, little bit more um, third person perspective is no less impactful. It's just a totally Mm -hmm. different, a totally different approach. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. This is just a a great sketch. You can see it's from Oh three. So this is a little bit out of uh, continuity. I just needed to throw this in here. He's drawn the shadow absolutely minimal use of lines still not using solid black still just has to use those scratchy lines but he's got the shadow of the shadow showing you the shadow i don't know it's just amazing well dude and just the nose shadow too like the nose shadow on that shadow (laughs) i just i'm a sucker for the shadow i you know i'm Meet me, meet me in 2025 when I do my woke reimagining. <laughs> I'm a 1940s black guy. I'm unseen. I'm almost like a shadow. <laughs> Just gonna start shooting these motherfuckers up. I'd buy it. I'd buy it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, good stuff. Look at this Spider Man. Okay, 
Look at this Spider-Man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, this is this is one of the rare times you do see him use solid spotted blacks. This is almost Frank yeah. Miller inspired, right? Kind of interesting. That, yes, Frank Frank Miller when he was drawing uh, Spider-Man before he even got his hands on Daredevil. Yes, that period of Frank Miller. You're right. That's exactly what this looks like. You know why that's significant, though? Because he's doing the 3D webbing like the fucking movies. So you see that in the little mm. nubs that he puts on the outline of, of the figure, and then you see that on the little white nubs that he cuts into the fields of black. Yeah, you're you're dead. Also, that web is remarkably like super simple. Like he like he grabbed somebody else's rope. It's almost like he wasn't. He didn't care to do anything with that. I mean, this is obviously like a sketch or whatever, but it's just, it's very interesting. It's yeah. very interesting treatment. I'm a I'm a I'm kind of a sucker for um more of the single line like silky strand web as opposed to like the bunch of spaghetti McFarlane web. So I appreciate that. Yeah, the, and and you know which which I gotta say we gotta start calling it the Mike Golden Web because they drew it like that like years before and I don't know why nobody remembers this. It's like a hole in everybody's memory of all across all time. Michael Golden was drawing that web like that. But anyway, years You're before right. McFarlane. But I will say um, this is also instructive in regards to like he can draw like this. Right. He does not prefer to. Right. You know? Agreed. And and again, just like the little things that he thinks about and, and decides to include. Look at where this web ends. No other fucking Spider-Man artists do this. Mm. The web is coming out of his web shooter. Mm-hmm. And then he mm-hmm. wraps his body around it to get whatever leverage he needs to do his thing. And you're right. That's galloping on his on his gauntlets and on his uh, boots in regards to, like you said, the ringlets of where where the web pops out. That stuff. Yeah. That extra bit of texture, even in this so-called simple treatment. Yeah. That's instructive too, guys. And you know what? This also reminded me of um, R.I.P. Uh, John Paul Leon and also mm. R.I.P. Alex Toth. Yeah. It's like it's like him acknowledging that he likes people like that and trying to do something with what they do. But his thing is his it's almost like his powers in the ticks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought this was a really interesting image um, for a lot of reasons, which we just covered. So now. Almost up to the present day, Jupiter's legacy, my friend, Jupiter's legacy absolutely knocked my socks off because as we've been talking about here in the late stage of his career, he just figured a bunch of shit out. Right. He was always great. Um, And things like on this page that you see, you know, drawing mechanical things and cars in perspective. We saw we saw the very first image we looked at. He was great at that from the start of his career. But things like acting, things like action, things like how to use the camera, things like how to pace from panel to panel. That's stuff that it takes a career to figure out. And we are lucky enough to live at a time where Frank Quitely has figured all of that stuff out. And so we get Jupiter's legacy. This moment in the context of the book is even fucking better than it is right now. But like, look at this. So they've just teleported onto a freeway because they're trying to um, escape a, a horde of super people that are pursuing them. She's super strong and invulnerable. He's just a dude, but he's got a teleporting weapon, which is what he's using. 
So when once they teleport onto the freeway because they're trying to escape other danger, suddenly they almost get hit by a car. Thankfully, she's super strong and invulnerable, so she can fucking stop that car, much to the driver's chagrin, who <laughs> leaves his fucking glasses back here behind the steering wheel. <laughs> so awful. <laughs> oh, it's awful, but again, it's that attention to detail, moment-to-moment storytelling, immaculate anatomy and body acting, and then way he's using the environment and physics to sell the power of the moment, right down to like deciding to make the divider between the lanes of the freeway these two lines so that what it emphasizes the motion in both panels. It emphasizes the fact that they're running and everything's moving here. And then Mm -hmm. it emphasizes the way that the car is not moving while this guy is here. So I don't know, man, just gorgeous stuff. It's just hard, hard as hell, man. And he, he exits frame. Anytime somebody goes out of frame, they got masked up. It's simple comic book language. Yeah. Hmm. I, I think I, I recall later in the book, um, in the next panel, like she asked, is that guy okay? And he goes, yeah. And then the, yeah. And he's so messed up. It's like, <laughs> it's like legs are sitting on top of his head, type messed up in the street. And she goes, is that guy okay? He goes, yeah, come on, let's go. <laughs> that's uh, that's some of that signature Mark Miller nihilism going on in that book. <laughs> Oh God! Well, because she's not an expert super person, she's been basically suppressing her her not her powers, but herself as a super person for a while. She's one of those people who went super ennui with superpowers because she didn't earn them. She's a second generation. She doesn't know what to be or who to be. So she's not big in the super game, even though she's as powerful as any superhuman's ever been in the, in this world. Yeah, no, which is, you know what, which is a great point. And so it's, it's a little bit uh, cynical or, or nihilistic because she just kills a totally random guy, but it is a good illustration of like, she doesn't quite know what she's doing here. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a great point. It's all part of the story. This is just absurd. Like <laughs> the sense of motion and impact and power and like this is a more stripped down version too, in terms of uh, in terms of his art style. Like mm-hmm. if you look at these hands and even these feet, like still the best feet in comics. But I mean, he is using a more gestural single line mm-hmm. when he's drawing this stuff. Also, this is a very small panel in the book that it's from. But holy shit! Like this is just such a fucking masterful moment of action. Look at the ground buckle with the force of what's going on here. It's like he's got all the skills that he's gotten over the last 30 years, but with some of the simplicity of some of that way early independent comic stuff that he was doing. You're totally right. I mean, there is this is almost like a like a Hergé drawing with the way Mm -hmm. that it is. It is just like this single quick, you know, very Mm -hmm. organic line that he's using to define everything. Mm hmm. Crazy. Again, instructive artist. Look what you can do, like being simple, but putting a lot of thought into something. You don't have. Oh yeah. I mean, you could. You got. You got to figure. He worked his underdrawings to death. Like this pose of Mm -hmm. her swinging this thing. This body language is just. It is outstanding. It is breathtaking. I will say that this body language right here is breathtaking. So the amount of. 
I'm just going to say the amount of work he did on the underdrawing before he got to the point where he could do mm-hmm. it with just a single unbroken line was probably immense. And last things last, it isn't necessarily super aesthetic. Correct. It's how you would look. How you would look if you were really somebody messing with your kid, and you got something near you that you could slam into that person. You're not going to strike some Jim Lee, Travis Charay pose while you do it. You're going <laughs> to grab that thing and slam the hell out of that dude. And this is how you're going to look, putting your all into it. It's not going to be aesthetic. One hundred percent. You were gonna. You were gonna swing it. However the hard. However the. However hard you can. However the hell you can. Damned if you look sexy while doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, there's a power in that, for real. Absolutely. Oh, that's my. That's one of my favorite parts. Next here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, this is a, a. This woman has the power to grow, much like Giant Man. Um, but she was hiding out because super people are illegal. So they find her at her place of work. She jumps out the window and she grows in midair. So she's you know ten stories tall when she lands. So this is the moment that she lands, and. This, again, is just this is Frank Whiteley at the height of his powers because it's showing everything he does well. So her moment to moment of landing and trying to get up to start running is immaculately executed body language from panel to panel. The panel to panel storytelling, you think she got away. Now we're focused just on her legs and what the fuck is going on around her ankles. And now Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, she falls. And so she's been caught. And now she's not going nowhere because they got her arms too, and the bad guy moves in. It's like it's such a roller coaster ride from beginning to end, and it's four panels. Yeah, and and I just love uh, on this page. You don't have to zoom in on them, but there's a couple of nice fat ladies on this page, <laughs> and he just has never been about like the whole world is skinny people, the whole world is eight feet tall people, the whole world is just little crummy people and super people. There's so many graduations or, or, or gradations between so-called normal or portly and superhero proportions. Yeah. In his world, there exists everybody along the along the rainbow. And I just think that's really cool because he loves people. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's an introvert or whatever, but he obviously loves people on some level because he observes them so much. No, I uh, I agree with that. I mean, and that is that goes back to we looked at that scene from the beginning of Flex Mentallo where everybody was eating at the cafeteria in our last episode. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. And that was very, very early in his career. It's something that's defined his work for a really long time is like he loves the the earthiness, the idiosyncratic, the idiosyncrasies of real people. This is not a, as much as he might even sometimes draw an idealized world, like people are people. So why should it be that you and I should get along so awfully? (laughs) Um, All right. So this is just some interesting stuff going on here with, again, those minimal backgrounds. Um, But again, justifying it diegetically where it's like they are in a back alley in between two blank walls in an industrial space. So you don't draw a background and it works. Dude. I, I, and the one thing about this book, the choice to not draw the mom with any eyebrows, cause maybe, I don't know, in her partying days, she messed them up or something. Mm-hmm. His ability to still show so much emotion on her face and different things without eyebrows. I, I don't know what he was doing. I, maybe he was like literally 
trying to do that challenge of like, okay, can I give somebody emotion without eyebrows? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. There, there's something I'm, I'm not talking shit. I think it's a weird choice and it works Agreed. for some reason for, for the way that this whole thing is playing out. I also, th- I think one of the other reasons I pulled this page is I love the continuation of him drawing child super people from Batman and Robin. Like mm-hmm. this kid is way more grounded than popsicle head or lollipop head Damian Wayne, but continues to be an absolute delight through this entire book and, and mm-hmm. quietly just revels in drawing this little kid doing some superheroic shit, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Okay. This panel, again, it's a quiet moment. But in a book where he may be skimping on background sometimes, he's not doing it all the time. And look how much mileage, though, he gets out of just organic, non-ruled squares, which are clearly post-its and scrap paper, and a Mm -hmm. bunch of scribbles on them. But even the scribbles, it's not just nonsense. Like, look, at that's a leg. That's part of a helmet. He's working out his costume details. Here's Mm -hmm. his brass knuckles. Here's a gun that he was designing. Here's Mm -hmm. another helmet he was designing. Like all of these, some of them got equations on them. Dude, I I love this character and, yes. and that book. I mean, he, you're meant to love him, and you're meant to see his his like uh, what what happens to him as a big sacrifice. But geez, Elise, he's just so badass. Look at look at this too, though. Again, Frank Whiteley draws everything well in perspective. First of all, look at this coat hanger with the classic twisted. Uh, <laughs> Twisted neck. Come, you you know that you would just do three lines and keep it moving. One hundred percent. Why would you, you draw that three dimensionally? <laughs> it's so insane. <laughs> and then look at. I love. I love this. So he draws this helmet in three dimensions in such an interesting way. But on the inside, you get to see just a hint of what looks almost like football padding. Like this looks like the inside Mm -hmm. of a football helmet where it comes like around your jaw underneath your ear. And the fact that he's taken the time to put those three dimensional shapes inside the helmet and make it feel like, Oh no, this is something that's functional when this guy puts it on. I just love it so much. You know, that would be black as hell. If somebody was drawing that, just just, just, put it, put that as black as hell, Just, just black as night in there. Just crosshatch the whole thing. Just lines one yeah. way, line the other way. That's all you got to do. Next Not thing you know, him. you're a genius. Not him. He No, he's going to draw the outline of the hanger underneath the costume. That's what he's going to uh, do. Don't do it to him, Frank. Jesus. Don't do it to him, Vinny, please. <laughs> so look at what he – this is another thing with the economy of line. Like look at what he's getting out of – literally just ruled lines he's getting a whole hospital and he's getting (laughs) beautifully he's getting these beautifully functional blinds which as we're going to see in an upcoming image end up getting really fucked up and the fact that he places them there to begin with becomes a, a great choice when the girl in bed here unleashes some energy that fucks up this mm-hmm. whole room mm-hmm but it's nah, so minimalistic. My favorite stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I agree. Oh, but you're right. So minimalistic. You were saying. Yes. Yeah. And it, I mean, you zoom all. You zoom all the way in, and even this bed, right? Like he's got a really intricate sort of underdrawing here, 
But this is not a functional hospital bed by any means. Like he's just no. making up whatever the fuck's going on down here. But just the act of like spacing out some parallel lines within those shapes creates such a depth and such a such an interesting visual character to this bed. That is so the greatest. Good. He's it's the so greatest. Good. I mean, I think we've clearly established that. Also, look at this lovingly Loving. braided hair. <laughs> lovingly <laughs> braided hair. Yeah. I gotta just zoom in on that. This 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 uh this beautiful chubby Wilkes Booth here. You know, what's <laughs> it or Annie Wilkes? Annie Wilkes. Annie Wilkes, here. yes. Oh, so good. Um this I thought was interesting. So this is like a recruit the superheroes thing that he does in four mm-hmm. panels. And each panel has to tell its own story. And each panel does. Mm-hmm. And this is something, again, you don't really get out of anybody but Frank Whiteley. There's a sense of place, of personality, and of reaction in every single one of these panels. Yeah, so it's the is- light girl has a light over there. As stupid as it is, it's, it's right. lit from the bottom. And she's she's doing some obviously crummy job. So light girl is – is because and these are all com- – uh, Superheroes in hiding. Correct. I also want to point out, too, that like even just what he's choosing to put in frame, like you can tell straight lines in a grid, you know, nice and simple. She is a studious, responsible person. She's got her papers stacked up really neatly here. And like you said, her power is a light power. So there's some light in the frame. And then now we got we- the Wood King, who's like a, a one of those uh, farmer's market guys selling plants or something. Yep. He's cl- yeah, he's clearly in uh some sort of ramshackle place, you know, people just putting up uh tarps on sticks or whatever for this farmers market. There's some buzzer or you know, seagulls. He's probably he's probably near the ocean, you know, in in probably a less developed country. Oh no, he's in Berlin. Uh well, Frank, I don't know. I I read it as less developed country. But yeah, I it's uh it's just beautiful. The the attention to detail, because this is what you need to know about him. He's a poison ivy type. Mm-hmm. This guy's dumpster. Oh no, he's either dumpster diving or he's, uh, or he's taking out the trash because he's working a menial job, but either yeah. way, he's a more artistic type, uh, which you could tell from his, his loose fitting beanie and the mm-hmm. fact that he's got all this uh, graffiti in the background. And then Jack Frost is just kicking it. Dude, if I had cold powers, I would be like this, homie, right here. <laughs> I'd just go to where nobody wants to be, even polar bears and stuff, and just be out there cold as hell, being able to be alone. Oh, man, that'd be great if I had frost powers, that is. Right. I just, this page is just so great to me, though, because it's like, you don't need a single word of dialogue and you, you almost can fill in the blanks of exactly what each of these people are saying when they're approached to be part of this resistance movement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, do you see them in circumstances that suggest that all of them would go for it? You know, mm-hmm. farmers markets, medial jobs, uh, boring jobs and the middle of nowhere. Why would they say no? You don't even have to have lines here. <sighs> it's such great storytelling. So this is maybe obligatory. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. All right. So so this idea of like this, this ultra powerful psychic who can literally construct a reality to imprison you with. And so we're using the process of creating um, a comic book panel to illustrate that. Genius. Unbelievable. What I want to point out 
is I love when Frank Quitely dips below the waterline in a single panel. Because mm. this above water versus below water, nobody does that shit like Quitely. And it's so good. And he keeps doing it in Jupiter's Legacy, by the way. <laughs> Dude, and I, I just love obviously the little flex and dents in Homeboy's big big boy armor, but also the loving way he does sand. Like, look, man, I don't care if you're Frank Quietly, Kashiro Tomo, I don't give a damn. You ain't gonna be able to draw every grain of sand. But what you can do is draw how the light catches mounds of it, the little mm. the little bits of it, and you could you can kind of do a little pointillism and suggest stuff. And he's just that's I mean he, I think he has advanced pointillism to where it has an actual appeal of line. There's something between pointillism and line that he has adapted and is his contribution to this stuff, it seems I, like. I agree. And I mean, you can see him do, doing it here to do everything from like indicating clouds to the texture on brick, to the texture on rock, to the texture on sand, to the bubbles on the top layer of the ocean. It's all just those... Frank Quitely tick marks. Mm. It's just fantastic. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> I, 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 this is only in here because, again, for somebody who has who has this bad rep of like drawing the same face every time or whatever, there's so much goddamn personality in this face. And look yeah. at that fucking hair. Look at how lovingly crafted that hair is. Hell yeah. I love this image. I, I'm so glad you put it. Dude, we're, we're definitely simpatico, bro. You, you've been picking stuff that I would definitely pick. Good, good. Also, look at these hands. Just gorgeous. Nothing nothing about them is stock or shortcutted. These are three-dimensional hands that are exactly what you need to depict this guy doing whatever the hell he's doing. <laughs> look at these fucking hands. <laughs> Oh, old Freddie Mercury as a superhero. That's what we're looking mm -hmm. at. All right. Power. Just straight power. I, I like we can't say anything other than what's already been said, but like I like I started talking about, this series is really just Frank Whiteley doing everything. We've kind of seen him seen him progress, you know with his figure drawing, with his gesture, with his, with his anatomy, with whatever, this is him at the height of his powers, just having fun. It's just great. Yeah. This is, this is very, very powerful. Uh, just because of how obviously everybody's flying, but like, this is a lot of drawing, mm. but it isn't as much as he could be. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's the, and there's open space for you to see the power. Imagine if he over-rendered those buildings in the back, those sort of mm -hmm. stair-strap buildings in the back. Imagine if you over-rendered, like if you put every brick in that back wall right there, that the guys are flying past, how busy that would look, how messed up that would be. Completely. I also think it's worth noting, you know, we pointed it out in that Daredevil piece that he did with all the hand ninjas, but like this is another one of those examples of you're drawing a you're, you're drawing a whole crowd choose body positions that almost look like they're communicating one sense of motion. So like you could mm. see this being the same guy tumbling through space from here to here to here, and maybe even to here, but they're all different guys. So it adds to the sense of chaos, but within the chaos, you're creating things that are very readable, right? Dude, I so think that's a technique that I might employ myself. Like, yeah, each of the guys in a, in a parabolic arc, could yeah. be the same guy. 
Yeah. So just pick different positions. That's that's a that's a great uh, art director type note. Get there, Bill. <laughs> there you go. Um, this line work I think is 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 great, and it shows you what he's doing with hair, which I know we keep sort of bringing up, and maybe he's underrated for it. Look at all that hair. Yeah, yeah. Not one, not one of the same hairstyles amongst all those people. Yeah, it's just, it just why would again? Why would you tax yourself like that? There's so many people. This and and they're not wearing like hats or anything that obfuscated. There's not, there's not a big light taking up the whole left or, or right side of the frame to focus you on those guys. There's, you know what I mean? There's not yeah. all these tricks that, frankly, I'm going to employ in my own comics. I'll, <laughs> I'll put hella stuff in the front of the foreground to obfuscate how much I got to draw. Just but it, uh, and look at those platform shoes. I mean, everybody's shoes are killing it, but those platforms are killing it. That's what oh, I'm saying. Man. Like, it, you know, this is all just, it's all technically window dressing for our super chick with, you know, this rich guy. But like in the window dressing, he communicates the world. And like there's not a single person in this frame who's wearing the same clothes, wearing the same shoes or has the same hairstyle. And like that may sound like not a huge achievement, but go ahead and look at crowd scenes in any other comic book you might enjoy. Just go ahead and take a look at it and Mm -hmm. compare. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. Right. Oof. <laughs> Spoiler alert if you haven't read this series. I won't give you the full context. Um, <laughs> oh boy. But let's just yeah, say this lady got yeah. fucked up. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. And it was it's a giant betrayal because it's it, it so yeah, you get that from the picture. No spoilers, but you get that from the picture that this is A messed up, B a giant betrayal, C a bunch of people betrayed her. You know what I mean? This Look is like the she- Etu Brute. Correct. But look at, I mean, look at how shocked her face is. It's mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm, that I mm-hmm. think is what you're saying. It's like this, this image communicates an entire story with mm-hmm. these very nonplussed people, this guy looking, Hmm, how about that? And then her face in total shock that any of this has happened. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's just say that that is exactly what's going on in this moment. And that, that underjaw line that he does that those zigzag line for her underjaw uh, coming up, yeah, that that around, the, uh, yeah, and the, and like going up into her cheekbone, mm. he loves that. That's how he sees. Remember, we saw that in his um, Superman stuff. Correct. Yeah, and I think the decision to to put that in this image goes towards selling that she's a little bit of an older woman, so you can see more of those lines on her face, under her uh-huh. eyes, etc. So he gives her that appropriate age with just a few well placed lines. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. And again, just look at the perspective. Every one of these things going in her back is coming out overlapped in perspective of her front. Like, oh, man. Oh, and it really gets it over how brutal it is, because if it was less cartoon or if it was more cartoonish or less. uh, Yeah. As many times I've seen this image, that big halberd sword going through her coming. Oh, geez. The losers. Yeah. Yeah. And look at the the way the blood is running kind of in rivulets down through the grass. Like, mm-hmm. again, height of his powers. This is what he does. Ah, and here's what happens to that. Here's what happens to that faithful uh, vertical blind hospital room mm-hmm. after some power is unleashed. Just indulging in his penchant for those uh, those cracks and creases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, you know me. 
I cracks. know you. <laughs> cracks, cracks and, baby. Cracks and creases. Cracks, uh, seams, and force. Cracks, cre- cracks, seams, and force. There you go. Here it is for you. <laughs> like that is what it is. Great oh. stuff. I love that. Yeah, she, she, dude. She, I think she exclaims in this. She like screams out. Yeah. To like screw off guy and destroys the whole room, but just telling that guy to mess to, to get out of there. Yeah. But again, it's like you understand even just from this image, right? Like clearly she unleashed some sort of energy that was of a yeah. certain intensity that's going to fuck up this side of the room, but not like blow it out completely. So this lady's scared. This guy's just caught off guard. I, I, it just all works. It's just mm-hmm. all working. Powers. Oh, that big giant lady in the ISO cube. It, the, this is a particular one. Good, good pick on this because yeah, you look at the scale. I'd say what force cracks seams scale. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And maybe scale goes before all those because sure. he's so masterful at showing scale. This big ass lady in her prison gear, uh, uh, in there. And then you go back to the smaller cubes for all the rest of the people, the lives that they're living. The fact that they can't decorate her cell because there ain't enough, there ain't stuff big enough. What's she gonna <laughs> put a big Danny Bonaduce poster on her wall or something? Well, like, and she's and she's new, right? Like she's the she's the one who's been most recently captured. Yep, yep. So there's no personal stuff. Yeah, that is a brilliant point, dude. Because she could technically have something, but yep, she's just new and got processed. Good. I think yep. I have the pencils for this. Uh, maybe not. Yeah. The other thing that I love about this you, scale being a perfect one, but like there's something specific happening in each one of these cells. Like he's creating a little a little world in each cell. <sighs> And I think he had a little practice in some of this with some of the uh, the prison. I don't even remember how much he drew it, but the prison that they kept that weird doctor in from mm. from that they unleashed in the, in the second arc uh, in, in the authority that he drew. He's had experience drawing mega prisons. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I also just love just a little bit of business. Like these two guys are talking to each other. This guy's on the microphone. This guy's going to get lunch or something. These these. Uh, trucks drawn in perfect perspective with their roll-up backs like it's just the little details this guy who's driving this little floating platform he's got his own little pod there i don't know man (laughs) so hardcore man it's just great great stuff um this is a great example of like him deploying detail when he chooses to Mm -hmm. you know this is obviously the background's very sparse, but where he puts the detail and where he chooses not to put the detail tells almost as much story, right? So here you get all these, you get these warheads in the foreground, and then you see them all receding into perspective on either side of the frame. So you get, oh, this is a giant something overloaded with warheads. But then the fact that like Almost the whole panel's empty except for that tiny figure right mm-hmm. there. Scale. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to show this face who this guy is telepathically communicating with as this is happening. And he's just like, fuck you. And so <laughs> we're going to focus on his evil eyes. And now just the sheer destructive power of this thing coming through the atmosphere. You don't want to look at anything else. You just want to see this nightmare is entering the world. But the fact that you go this view and then this view, and you have these 
opposing fields of negative space, you automatically connect. Oh, this is it's like a pop zoom, right? It's like here's mm. the giant thing, and then we zoom right in and see he's at the very front of it. And it's just the choice of like mimicking exactly the angles and re reversing where your negative space is connects these two images in such a powerful way. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And just, just, yeah, zooming in on a guy just basically about to die or, or get the majority of his powers taken away to where he, he gets deposed as the leader of the superheroes uh, in, of this world. And it's just like you hardly ever get to see even somebody like Superman mm. do something this titanically big. And I think that's Miller's thing. And that's why he always Miller is smart, dude. Like oh, as yeah. much as I give him crap for being a sub Grant Morrison and definitely a sub um, Warren Ellis, the dude is a marketing genius. He has a, he has an idea that could be a billion dollar franchise every single day, probably twice a day. And he chooses to like, literally change the lives of people like Frank quietly. I saw there's an issue of a, a big two hour. We've, we've outdone it on this one, but there's a big ass two hour interview on Miller time talking to Frank about stuff. And Frank pointedly says, yeah, ever since the Jupiter's legacy deal, I've had a lot of time to just sit and think about what I want to do and blah, blah, blah. It's like translation after I got half of that and I make money off of this in perpetuity, I get money. You know what I'm right. saying? They got a little bit of that Netflix money. I got money to where I'm right. not as hand to mouth all the damn time anymore. And I can really sit down and think about what I want to do. And obviously you gave me that. So guess what? When you come up with your next thing that has undead zombie armies fighting on the moon through <laughs> a time dilation, you know what I'm saying? I'll draw that for you. Cause you literally have changed my life, you know? No, absolutely. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, it's going to be more of the same as we look at this stuff. Just the combination of power of acting. I love this. Her skidding. It's like you immediately get, oh yeah, she just flew at super speed and she's landing to talk to these girls. Their reaction. And how many people would have drawn a bunch of lines? A bunch of lines instead of that smoke. That smoke is easier to draw than that bunch of lines, but it takes years of drawing to even know that. That's a very good point. The fact that he's making these vertical lines, that he's got that signature Frank Quitely squiggle to show you that it's something kind of warm and handmade as opposed to something like cold and mechanical mm -hmm. so that you don't get the wrong idea about this girl as she's working on it. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just it's little stuff like that. This treatment mm -hmm. of, of electric energy and the way that she's deflecting it. And so the way it kind of forms this bow shock and how he, he creates perspective, even within the tendrils of energy, oh boy. because they're curving <laughs> around her. I mean, come on, man. Dude, mm. that, I, I, I will not say that these episodes we're doing are for everybody, but for the people they're for, these are going to be masterpieces. They, they, they're going to love these. I, you One would hope. I mean, we're going as deep as possible. So this is another just love great, it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love the little kid doing a superhero thing. Again, he looks like a little kid doing a superhero thing. Um, and there's just some great shifts like the pop zoom thing. I think he does a lot. The, the choice of camera angles where we're going from super wide. It's the school bus in the neighborhood. You see the, the door being kicked off the back 
you get a sense of place, you get a sense of motion, and then boom, we zoom right in, not far enough that we don't place where we are in the school bus. These mm-hmm. are the kids sitting at the back of the bus, but boom, we we pop in to see all the kids there. And we know that our flying kid has just zoomed out the bus without ever having to see him in these first two panels. I mean, it's my favorite thing that he does, dude, is establish stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, But yeah. Oh, that's one of my favorite pages, too. Go to it. That's my favorite page. Oh, my gosh. Uh, The one with the sharks. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, well, yeah. We'll get there. We'll 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 blow through this quickly. We'll get there. So this is a... um, this is sort of shades of what he invented him and Morrison invented in we three where a character mm-hmm. is moving in such a way that like he can't be contained by the panel borders, even though everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So obviously you see that with, as he's breaking these panel borders, but something that's not, doesn't immediately jump out at you is this nine panel grid is one single image broken up into nine panels it's the signature quietly down shot, but here mm. this van is parked. There's another car behind it. This is all asphalt. And these are two elephant doors that you would dr- drive cars through. Mm-hmm. And so this team of SWAT guys is coming in from all angles. So they're in different positions as he's blasting them, as he moves through the space but this is a single image that's been subdivided once to show you the SWAT team moving through it. And then in a lot of ways has been subdivided again to show you how our lead character moves through the space between where the spot guys, SWAT guys can see in order to fight them. And that is just some nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Uh- Perfectly stated. It is it is like such a degree of work and conceptualization that so many people would just be like, all right, just even even thinning out the borders would make it easier to like maybe draw, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, but he's like, no, if well, I fatten know, the borders, I need that to show how he's moving he, across. Exactly. You need you need you need to, to have the negative space that, so that you can see this isn't just some weird gimmick. This is literally like no, he's he's finding a he's finding purchase in the panel borders. He's he lives in the gutters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it's so good. Um, this again is just what are the line work happening here? This, oh, this- that was my jam right there. He, he, and again, glasses. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, in the top panel, the dude tells him something. In that panel, he gets some new. In the second panel, he gets some news that there's that big bunch of crap falling from the sky that we saw earlier and then the third panel is just his glasses floating in the negative space of the hole he made in the roof as he flew away to save the day with all of his civilian clothes and the cup of coffee he was holding scattering in all directions Mm -hmm. yeah uh, but once again best feet in the best feet in the game that boot look at that boot boot. oh he flew right out of his clothes and his glasses oh man oh it's genius and just, the, I love the aftermath panel too. He's just like, oh, he's just looking at all that crap on the ground. He's like, ugh. Fantastic. And just this, li- look at four little, four little tick marks. <laughs> but you, that's the little bit of debris still falling out of the hole above him. And then he runs outside. Oh, and there he goes. He's flying off into the distance. And again, look at the use of negative space to just draw your eye. Boom, right there. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking at when we look up into this empty sky. 
Mm-hmm. And the, dude, the, the, the wherewithal to draw a building, knowing that people ain't going to look at it so they can look at something else. Exactly. Ugh. Oh, man. All right. This page, this page kicks ass. It's so hard. So underwater fight scene. And again, look at the, it's just, here's a, here's another great, two great examples of Frank Whiteley, uh, breaking the surface of the water in a, in a panel. Gorgeous. But look at the layout of this page. I mean, the action takes us down on this diagonal, which creates Mm -hmm. enough space to see this guy arriving above them, but is also appropriate because they're sinking as she knocks out uh, the girl in civilian clothes. And then as he arrives, boom, she explodes out the top. And look at just the gorgeous. Yeah, that's let's zoom on that water because that's just it shows that she spun up there like like because I, I don't I don't know if she strictly has flight powers, but she has some sort of like levitation or so, something that's not quite flight, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But like she swirled up through the water to, to come up, you know what I mean? To to take her place up there to fight. Oh, super sick. Look at that level. of. De- I mean, that's like the level of detail Michael Turner was working on when he was doing Fathom. And like <laughs> Whiteley is not a guy known for Michael Turner level uh, details. <laughs> oh, damn, dude. oh, so now we get to the piece de resistance. Um I could literally do an entire episode on every page of this book, but quietly illustrated um, one of Grant Morrison's multiversity books, and it was called Pax Americana. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially a Watchmen riff um, with the original characters that Watchmen itself was riffing on, which were the Charlton comics characters. Mm-hmm. We'll go the through this. And all those. Yeah. Guys. Peacemaker. Dr. Manhattan was based on Captain Adam. Anyway, so we just saw that page where the teleporting fight was happening. This page is almost incomprehensible on first look. You almost kind of, it's like a magic eye poster in a lot of ways. So this entire two-page spread is the single floor, is a single floor plan of a museum. So you can see like this, whatever this triangular thing is, goes through all these panels this statue goes through all these panels. Mm-hmm. Um, these walls break through these panels. But what you're noticing is like the way that it's colored and the characters in it are all different from panel to panel, right? So what is that communicating? There are three different time periods all happening here. It's a man mm-hmm. being killed by this guy who's hiding behind the uh, the sculpture here. It's... Uh, the question, who's the Rorschach-like like character, investigating that murder in the middle of the night, such as here. So look at this panel. You see half of a body who's bludgeoning somebody, and there's there's blood splatter happening. Actually, let's just let's do a little bit of it for you. Here he's hiding, and he's looking out this way. Mm-hmm. Here he's creeping around the statue, carrying a bust which is established over here, which is like the morning before the murder happens. Or it might be the, might be the day. Of, no, that's so this woman gets murdered. This is the thing without reading this recently. I can't quite tell you, but I just want to say, so he goes from here, picks up this bust is creeping around this side of the statue and then rushes and bludgeons someone on this side of the statue. I think it maybe is this woman. Um, but 
that murder scene is discovered in this panel. Mm -hmm. What's really crazy about this is that this does read from top to bottom, left to right, like any book would, but it transitions you between three different time periods all in the same space. So you're moving through time and space, watching three things happen simultaneously, and it never doesn't make sense. Well, I've heard, I've heard of uh, Frank. I've heard Frank talk about um, talk about how he wished it was colored even that tiny bit different on the third. You know, I've definitely yeah. heard him talk about that. And it is it is one of those things where well, I think he's shown this to like classes and he's doctored up the colors himself to like communicate the di three different periods even more. But just I again, who else do you give this type of stuff to? I think this is an appropriate one for us to end on because it is, it is a the power of it isn't in any hero image because the damn panels are too small. There aren't any hero images in here. There isn't any you got to blow this up, put it on a poster. So that's one thing. Number two, what does it have? Sense of scale. Number three, people look at people's clothes. Everybody's clothes, even the panels this size, are, are perfect. They see the seams in the world and the, the seams in time as we jump through through time, you know, the partitions rather, the, the seams, the cracks, the, the gutters are all part of his motif. And I think the last things last that's interesting about it is when you're communicating all this shit, the, the communicate out oh, the scale of everything, the seams, the communication yeah. of what each of what this section of this picture looked like at a certain time of day or on a certain day. Yeah. It's just everything that he's good at is on display here. And that there's a reason why like for all of you out there being like who, who maybe skipped to the end or something and visit. Okay. Let me see what the apotheosis of this thing is. Let me see. Oh, nice. Let me see <laughs> what, sorry. I had to do that for you. Yeah. Let me see what their overall summation of this guy is because I think he sucks. Well, the thing is no matter what you think, your favorite writers or your favorite writers, favorite writers look at this guy as one of the only cartoonists that can do their most ambitious work. What does that tell you? Look at these images, look at what you're entrusting this man to do and look at how few of some of y'all's favorite artists you would trust to get across this level of information with this level of economy and with this level of fidelity to so-called reality while also masterfully cartooning. Yeah. I mean, come on, dude, there's people you could count on to do some of this. I know several artists that could do these brick stuff. I know several artists that could do interesting layouts like him. I know several artists who can, who can figure draw nearly as well as him. But if you're going to ask me to figure draw, move characters through space, do uh, uh, the versimilitude on all of his uniforms, of all these guys that are getting rocked by Peacemaker, he can draw you uh, one, two, three, four different helicopters because they're different in perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people could draw you a helicopter from one angle. Hire me if you want somebody to draw you a helicopter from one angle. I'll fire up Google and chase that some bitch lickety split. That yeah. is not art. You know what I'm saying? He can draw it in perspective. He pulls up 15. I saw your little tutorial. Um, on 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 Instagram, he pulls up 15 pictures of a helicopter to pick out what 
how he's going to bend it, how he's going to frump it up, how he's going to communicate the helicopter. And I loved this scene. I love number one. I love this super lady. I love her mask. I love her costume. She looks so cute and sexy. I love all the whole thing about this panel, but the, this is one drawing and this is time. He, I mean, that's the thing. Quietly designed an entire room so that he could tell and granted it's scripted this way, but so that he could tell this progression of panels in a progression through time and space in this one room. And again, yeah. like you could put that in a script, but to have somebody execute it mm. so flawlessly, mm-hmm. so cleanly, so readably, like mm-hmm. I see in a lot of comics, some very ambitious layouts where you're left going, wait, what the fuck? Like the right, right. You know? And look, it this would be this would be less awesome if he just drew the room and moved us through. But if you notice, he drew the room, but that first panel's a punch in, the uh the panel where that's a punch in, and then of course the thumb and stuff, that's a punch in. So he's finding areas where you need to get closer and he's using those. He he could have just stuck to the grid and tried to make all that play out in the grid, but like each each of those ones that are bigger need to be bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so that's that's just the look at it without the um without the text over it. But I don't know, man. Just the, the mastery of like perspective and the confidence to be able to draw this without any fudging and without any embellishment. It's just put every line exactly where it's supposed to be in order to draw this flawlessly. How many people can really do that? Dude, yeah. How many people are worth six hours of discourse? <laughs> I don't know any. Dude, he he really just what he's doing is more of I'm sorry, more valuable than some of those the the pretty cheerleader artists that, that a lot of people like, man. This is so much more impactful, so much more powerful, has so much more respect for our medium. It's That's not trying to sell posters and towels and underoos. This is trying to make the like people like Frank quietly, I'll say it. People like Frank quietly do more to so-called sell the maturity of this medium than any of the people putting a bunch of boobs and violence and this and that in anything. His fidelity to the world, the tick marks on the wall, the seams, the windows, that, that fidelity to reality on some level, even while cartooning does more to mature our, our medium than Barbara Gordon getting shot and stuff like that, you know? Well, 100%. I mean, I think he takes seriously um, in a way that, you know, is quote unquote adult. He takes seriously that his role as an artist is not just, you know, cinematographer to to set up kick-ass lighting and, um, you know, anatomist to give you physique. Like Mm. he thinks I'm going to production design this. I'm going to create three-dimensional, fully realized spaces. I'm going to figure out exactly where to place the camera, how high, where to tilt it, how, you know, where to move it from panel to panel. Does it make sense? I'm going to make sure that it's readable. I'm going to do wardrobe and hair and makeups to make sure that all these people look different. It's often said that like the comic book artist is essentially the director, the cinematographer, the production designer, the hair and makeup, the costumer, and the editor 
of a of a story in a comic book, but it's very hard to find somebody who can do all of those roles. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're saying is that Frank Quitely is a master of all of those roles. And so if he's not drawing energy blasts that look as kick-ass as the next guy, I don't give a fuck because he's doing <laughs> all the rest for me. Look at mm-hmm. how much he's doing for you. And that's mm-hmm. the last thing I'll say is to me, he's an artist who cares about the reader and takes care of the reader. He's not trying to like shove shit down your throat. Like I love cookies, but if somebody was just trying to cram cookies down my throat, <laughs> I wouldn't take that, I wouldn't take that nicely. Frank Whiteley will bake you delicious cookies and then humbly serve them to you on a platter until you are full. And mm-hmm. I, I got to respect a guy who takes his audience that seriously, who has that much respect for everything you need to really appreciate your experience. Yeah. And much like the first person to put balsamic vinegar on some Brussels sprouts and uh, roast them rather than boiling them and funking up the house. I give him a lot of credit for making the boring necessary stuff. Sexy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I mean, he's inspired me more to like, as I go into my own little comics practice, even if I'm going to do the crappiest, most no background D comics ever infusing a little bit of his thoughts in my, and you know, or what I, what I, what my, what I hope to be his beginner thoughts of where he went down this road of being this good. He's a good person to carry with you as you do your artistic pursuits. Like, do you care about this thing you're doing right now as much as Frank quietly would? If if so, what yeah, the, the K favors did that thing? What would Alex Toth do, man? It's I'm sorry, man. It's what would Frank Quietly do, honestly? In the modern age, is what would Frank Quietly do? What would he do with this page? What would he do with this panel? What would he do with this costume design? What would he do with this acting on the page? I think you mentioned all those above and below the line, or rather, all those below the line things and yeah. directing and all that stuff. But there are people who can um, direct. And, uh, uh, you know, light and all that stuff, but their acting is piss poor because all they do is trace fucking photos from from porn or whatever. Right. There, there are people who are good at this, uh, the meat and potatoes of all the stuff you said, but that last part, the acting is missing. So they'll never even touch the hem of Frank Quitely's g- garment when he was in 1992, first starting out or whatever. They'll yeah. never even touch that because yeah. they never learned how to act. Well, I hope that, you know, taken together this this literal six plus hours that we've just done on Frank Quitely's entire career could be hopefully one of the most instructive breakdowns of like what it takes to be one of the greatest of all time in the comic book game. Um, so take it as you will. But I certainly I feel like I've learned a lot and I'm going to carry a lot with me to, to level up my own game. So I'm carrying your love with me, Frank Quietly. <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> Thanks is, for this doing it with me, Ed. This has been a hell of a, a hell of a series. Oh, dude, it, it has. And there's gonna be more. When we get to Brian Hitchin, boy, it's gonna be it's gonna be nuts. Brian, we get to Brian Hitchin and we get to we get to uh uh you know uh Travis Sharayan, we get to mm-hmm. I we might you know we might have to lump some of them together because I mean this guy deserves this much time and artists that are super great that people love might get an hour, but we're gonna kick ass just like we did on this one. And uh if you really like this work and you like uh, as Gino Toretto drives by my house. Uh, if you really like this work and you really like 
to support us doing stuff like this, please join the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod. I think this idea was born on the Patreon. Like a lot of our great ideas for the feed, they're, they're just born in this space where we can create and we can talk to you guys about what kind of stuff we can do. So this video series is a new thing. Uh, so yeah, patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod. You could also leave us a review. You could also um, subscribe to the YouTube channel and click like on all of our past videos that aren't even videos they're just audios because who cares? Let's get nuts. Mm-hmm. Let, let's, let's get some traction on the channel so we can do more videos like this. They could be more part of our um, repertoire as it were. Absolutely. More of this to come. So uh, for, for producer Bill, cause I know he's tired and for myself, Ed Greer, this has been an illustrative, thoughtful, well-acted, you know, has a great sense of scale-ass episode of The Greatest Pod. Yeah.